Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Gary. I'm Karen Moynihan. And we are a little bit later than usual this week um, because uh, we have been on holiday. Actually away, imagine. My God, changes of scenery and everything. And changes of country, in my case. (laughs) She's fancy. (laughs) Yes, I was in La Belle France, whereas uh, somebody did ask, a listener did ask me in... um, uh, via Instagram, had I uh, held a map and screamed at the sky, and I kind of did. <laughs> See, it was definitely a pandemic vibe. They, you know, it wasn't fair of us to make fun of them for that ridiculous cover because it was how we were all feeling. <laughs> and we did say at the time that we sort of uh, we, we we kind of related. We <laughs> could, and you made it happen. So well I done. did <laughs> a map of Marseille. Ah, if I'm here. The appropriate I, reaction. Definitely. I did not get seduced, even though I, like the Wakefields, was in the south of France. I d- neither um, uh, saved anybody from drowning. Uh, I didn't fall in love with a mysterious Frenchman. I didn't get sent off on uh, inappropriate missions to nurses' patients. God, were, were you even really on holiday then at that rate of going? No. I did go to a French chemist, as Liz did in that book when she was sent by, <laughs> what was her name? The oh. Avery... Fucking the Avery. mother of the house who Absolutely. left a robe around so, so unsupervised. Bitch. Oh my god. <laughs> well, uh, we may have been having uh, holiday adventures, but the Sweet Valley gang are uh, having adventures of their own because this week we are discussing the dating game. My goodness, yes, we are. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> we hope you feel it'll be worth the wait, listeners. And uh, as usual, we will get started with taglines and blurbs. Oh, God, I'm just sorry. I'm just looking. Every time I look at the cover, I'm just dazzled. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the tagline of the cover is all's fair with love and war. <laughs> I mean, that could be the, the tagline for any book with Jessica. Very true. It would not be true in her case because nothing is fair when she gets going. Oh, no. Not a thing. <laughs> can you give us the back tagline, please? I can. And again, it's one of these kind of cliche lines and it's mm. simply love is in the air. <gasps> well, it is. Mm. Okay, here's the full blurb. Neither Jean West nor her friend <laughs> again <laughs> since fucking when Claire, <laughs> Claire Middleton <laughs> has had a date in ages. I mean, Jean, Tom only broke up with Jean like two books ago. That is true, actually. Yeah, mm. it is not that long. <laughs> oh, anyway, so when they each receive a passionate love letter, they're thrilled. But when the girls compare the letters, they discover something awful. The letters are from the same guy, Scott Trust. It's actually awful is that it's Scott Trust, not even that it's the same guy. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's who the guy is. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, God, and also, I'm just looking at around the cover, like, his... We'll discuss that in a minute, but yeah, really we'll awful. Get to it. The awfulness <laughs> extends to his appearance. So, Jean and Claire confront the handsome, arrogant mm. Scott. Yes. Instead of apologising, he suggests a dating contest with him as the grand prize. Oh Elizabeth Wakefield is stunned when Jean and Claire agree to the outrageous plan. Her twin sister, Jessica, sees nothing wrong with a little romantic competition. Of course she fucking doesn't. <laughs> but what neither Elizabeth nor Jessica knows is that their friends, again, friends, are secretly plotting to use the contest for revenge. Very ineptly. Uh, <laughs> everything goes as planned until the unthinkable happens. It looks like Jean is falling in love with the enemy. Good Lord. God damn it, Jean. You've let yourself down. (laughs) You fucking... Oh, we were rooting for you, to quote Tyra Banks. (laughs) (laughs) We were all rooting for you. Well, uh, the cover is as magnificent (laughs) as the blurb suggests. Can you describe it, please? Oh god! You know it's it's always going to be fun when there's more than two people on a cover. I feel Ooh, like. Oh yeah, they got to cram you know, them in. When, to you, that when you've got a, that's it. When you've got a crowd being rammed into this little <laughs> circular frame, <laughs> you know it's a good time. Like something's going to be kicking off. Um, yeah. So we have inexplicably. <laughs> oh god, Jean and Claire. Um, oh my god. And Scott. Uh, Scott yes. Trust. There he is now in an absolutely enormous blazer. Um, oh my god he's like david coach, Byrne like, in start making sense <laughs> the shoulders are like halfway down his arms it's ridiculous <laughs> looking on him it's kind of a like a navy blazer he's wearing a blue shirt like it's not all the way buttoned up which is something i suppose mm. um but like this guy just oh, really ugh. really really god damn it Really though, um, yeah. I just I don't even know what to say about his face because I hate him. Oh, <laughs> uh, he looks like a douchebag. He really does. I mean, you know, when Bruce looks like a douchebag on a cover, it's still Bruce Patman. So there's a certain amount of swag kind of attached yes. to that. He and can pull it off. Of a, there's a glint in his eye. You know, yeah. he's got enough swagger to make it work. But True. this guy just fully looks like an absolute dickhead. Yes, he does. He kind of has the same vibe as what was his name in the White Lotus, Shane. Oh, yes. <laughs> just the same, just douchey energy. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. sort of got a flat top. 
Yeah, it's it's not good hair. Like oh, everything about him is just extremely, extremely unattractive. Mm. But uh, based on this cover, he's he's a, he's not uh, shy with the ladies. Oh God, he's not. He's also punching way above his weight. Because, oh my God! Like Claire, I'm a, like, it is Claire in the middle. Uh, she's kind of got her hand on his chest, I guess. Uh, she's kind of looking like adoringly up at him. But at least we know once we get stuck into the book that this isn't actually the case true, for her true. at least um, Claire is fucking stunning like, oh yes she is so beautiful um, I think it's the same girl as the Miss Quarterback cover it's just that it's a very different expression on her face I guess uh, yes she's a, it could be we... like it's, it's, it's it could plausibly be the same model I think yes um, true but like she's oh my god she's so gorgeous like I she, fancy her like she looks about 25 now it has to be well, said yes that is, that is kind of a given with these covers unfortunately <laughs> um but yeah she just looks amazing she's wearing um it's like a rugby shirt yeah. you know the kind of like big thick stripes so it's kind of green and white stripes open collar like she's pulling it off she looks fucking great she does um and yeah, that's I. Oh God, she's amazing. I love her. Um, then poor old Jean West. Oh my God, she's standing off to the side, arms folded, looking suspiciously across, which seems very familiar when it comes to Jean West. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, can, it does. <laughs> you can cast your minds back to the cover of Jealous Lies. All those what nearly 40, 50 books ago. Um, it's. <laughs> You know, it's the same girl, definitely the same girl, oh, and potentially, potentially the same photo that we are I working think, on. <laughs> I think it is the same photo because her yeah. expression is exactly the same. Like everything it's, about her is exactly yeah, the same. It is. The hair is slightly different. The outfit is different and she has her arms folded. But like this is very much got the uh, the bang of, of a bit of recycling going on and uh, <laughs> someone else's arms being used and a little change above outfits. And you know, you know what, there you go. This book was from four years ago. Who's going to remember? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's also good to see that Jean appears to be wearing, what do you describe, as a silk blouse. Oh, 100% silk blouse with some uh, very interesting button details on there as yes. well. The buttons are huge. Ginormous. Yeah. I don't, like, they look like seashells. I don't even know oh. what they are, but like that's the kind of size we're talking here of button uh, all the way up. And she's got a necklace on as well, which is kind of over the collar of her shirt. So, you know, it's, it's, it's true to the teens of Sweet Valley. Um, true, true. And in fact, yeah, she has a little white hairband on, which is exactly the same as the yellow hairband that she was wearing <laughs> on the cover of Jealous Lies. So there you go. Poor old Jean. She has one expression, one pose and just is doomed to forever be looking suspiciously over at somebody. <laughs> While wearing cover. a hairband. Yeah, that's, that's her brand. That's what it is. Oh, well, you might wonder if the book lives up to this full of action cover. I can tell you, listeners, <laughs> it does. It really does. And how? <laughs> So we begin in the cafeteria and Jessica is all excited. Oh my God, because yes, this is apparently going to be one of the biggest dances of the year because we have a dance coming up and I feel like it actually has been a while. Yes, my notes say, fairness, it's been a while. Yeah, I know we slagged him off for like having a dance every week, but there has definitely been a marked 
lack of dances. <laughs> oh, absolutely. There was a stage where there was pretty much a dance, big dance of the season in every book. Yes. But yeah. definitely there hasn't even been a party for a while. Mm, the, I don't know. The dance committee must have been killed off or something because... <laughs> Maybe they, they actually had doing... to go to class. Oh, maybe, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, apparently the gym is its going to be love in bloom and the uh, gym is going to be covered in paper flowers and there'll be candles out of the patio tables. Yeah, that's an interesting combo, isn't it? Mm, I mean, <laughs> Paper it seems, decorations and fire. <laughs> it's quite hazardous. A little bit. <laughs> uh, one person isn't interested. It's Lila. Oh, yeah, she uh, apparently romance is not her top priority. She mm. All she cares about is uh, being able to convince her dad to buy her a gold bracelet she saw at BB's. Yes, because she can't go to something this special in the same old jewellery. <laughs> <laughs> Problem we can all relate to, of course. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and Amy says, I wouldn't care about going in the same old gold. I'd worry about having to go with one of the same old boys. <laughs> Um, and uh, this actually becomes relevant later, this seemingly uh, pointless detail. She has found the perfect date for Lila, a gorgeous new guy working in the record store in the mall. Yeah, apparently Amy would probably take him for herself, but uh, oh, apparently she even had a dream about him. She did, it. yes. But, uh, but of course, her and Barry are very happy together. So she's, for once in her life, she's not on the hunt and out to ruin people's lives for no reason. I have to say, I absolutely adored the many 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 digs at Amy Sutton in this book I think oh the ghostwriter hated her as much as we do 100% I noticed that too like every opportunity to throw digs they were fucking jabbing them in at Amy they were just like this fucking bitch and the funny digs they were, like, they were really good <laughs> by the way I can't believe that Lila doesn't say something about us and I would go out with a mere shop boy but, uh, <laughs> but she doesn't so, uh, yeah, the mention of Amy's dream gives Jessica a chance to talk about her new obsession. Oh, God. Okay, I will say this. This got a bit annoying because it was very repetitive. Um, but yeah, so Jessica is now obsessed with dreams and mm. interpreting dreams. Yes. Uh, apparently there was a show on last night about dreams, all about analysing them. And uh, she's hooked. <laughs> She, oh, she is certainly hooked. And uh, yeah, uh, she bangs on about the uh, significance of, you know, how important dreams are in many cultures and how she's been doing a lot of reading about them lately. And we're told she just read one magazine article. But there was no reason for Lila to know that. And then says she has been having a, quote, completely amazing dream. And inexplicably, the others all beg her to recount her dream like no one has ever done in the history of the world. No one Never. begs people to tell them about their dreams. No, the only time anyone gives a shit about somebody else's dream is if you're in it. Yes, exactly. Yes. Like any other time, don't care. <laughs> Please no. stop talking to me. <laughs> it's always confusing and not hugely interesting. It's interesting no. to, to the dreamer. Mm. I'm not going to lie, we've all been there ourselves, oh, but, yeah. you know, not really to anybody else, so we should know better. And uh, <laughs> But, well, of course, Jessica doesn't know better. We're told she liked to be coaxed and said, you really want to hear about it? She asked coyly, like, <laughs> who? <laughs> Me? <laughs> <laughs> My dream. Uh, and they're all like oh yes Je Jessica tell us more like they're in a fucking musical going tell us more yeah. tell us the dream tell us the dream <laughs> Lila does ask if she's in it 
Well, you see, Lila gets it. She knows, no. like, unless she's in it, this is not worth listening to. And she's right. True. <laughs> well, Jessica tells the story of her dream. And I guess we can outline it now because we're not going to outline it again every time she, it happens. Yeah, she literally tells word for word this whole story like four times. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> so, yes, it begins. She's walking along the beach wearing her uh, two-piece bath. Oh, no, hang on. Does that no, that's, no that actually, I didn't even mark this one because it felt like it was important to the dream. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate to say it, but there you go. <laughs> So yes, she is wearing a two-piece pink bathing suit with little bows and she keeps passing various hunks that she knows. <laughs> and uh, including her own ex-boyfriend, AJ. Yeah, there he is. I think we've had two mentions of AJ since they've broken up, so he's still around and alive anyway. Yeah, God love him. <laughs> so, um, of course, they all want her to join the join her them, but she keeps walking. But then... She's uh, she's all alone and it starts to rain and there's nowhere for her to go. So she runs and falls and uh, then somebody puts a blanket around her. And when she turns, it's the most gorgeous boy she's ever seen. And uh, she, she can't really give details about what he looks like because it's so storming so severely. She can't even tell what colour his hair is. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so she doesn't actually know what he looks like or doesn't actually get to see his face in the dream. But she's like, you know, it's a dream. Of course he's gorgeous. Don't be ridiculous, Lila. <laughs> <laughs> and then she wakes up and Jean says, oh, Jean um, West says, it's like real life. Just when you get to the good part, it ends. And everybody remembers like her breaking up with Tom like two books ago and all feel sorry for her. When they try to comfort her, Jessica literally bangs the table to demand attention. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're right, she taps on the table. Oh, this bitch, she's the worst. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently she's had the dream three times and that means uh, apparently everybody knows if you have the same dream three times, it's going to come true. That's bollocks, Jessica. That, Jesus Christ, Yeah, in that case, my teeth would have fallen out 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be able to fly several feet, yeah. just several feet above the ground. Yeah. That's what Still I Yeah. <laughs> Um, God, I realised I was on the verge of talking about a dream myself. So, no, 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 no. stop it <laughs> now. Into the Jessica trap. <laughs> so, meanwhile, elsewhere in the cafeteria, Liz is uh, hanging out with Todd, Enid, and Claire Middleton, who, of course, has to be shoehorned in to. Oh, they're all best pals, don't you know? <laughs> yes. And Liz is being just a total dick to Claire. <laughs> yeah she's just badgering Claire uh, about who the lucky guy is going to be that she's going to take Ugh. to this stupid fucking love and bloom dance uh, like Claire is blushing and embarrassed and like obviously hasn't been at Sweet Valley very long but uh, you know that's not going to stop the pair of them to, from fucking bullying her oh. into telling them who she wants to go with they're so tedious they're all so like have you got your eye on oh is there anybody who's like tickled your fancy and Claire as you say blushes and says she's not much of a dancer and Todd's like neither does Liz and then Liz punches Todd playfully in the arm didn't I not say recently that uh, the playful punch was a bit of a motif um, and I think it must be in the later books because I just remember when I was reading them in my late teens, that was sort of one of the ongoing things that my <laughs> sisters and I used to joke about, that it was like, <laughs> the tropes of Street Valley was the playful punch. And maybe it just came into the later books because we've had a couple of them recently. 
That's true. Yeah, it's definitely a more recently occurring thing. I don't remember this being as much of a of a thing. Yes, <laughs> earlier in, on. in early books. So uh, Liz keeps pushing it. She's like, oh, there must be a handsome football player in your, you know, <laughs> that you've got your eye on. And uh, she starts to say there's a boy she thinks is nice, but then stops herself wisely, literally runs off to escape Liz. I mean, to study <laughs> for a test. <laughs> it's preferable to hanging out with Liz and Todd <laughs> I mean can't blame her so Enid follows leaving the gruesome twosome alone um, uh, but they're distracted by the obnoxious carry-on at the next table yeah it's, apparently it's the gladiators table they get their own uh, table but it's, it's a bunch of a bunch of noisy footballers um, including Scott Trost who Ugh. the handsome quarterback they keep calling him but like there's also no mention now as to whether Claire is just no longer on the team or what the fucking story is here yes. they kind of mention oh you tried out for the football team but there's no like yeah she was their fucking quarterback though and what yeah. now she's just like been demoted the- out of it altogether like what's going on here well she does talk about like she plays with them still and like she's, she's you know she has spoiler alert she has a dream that involves being on the pitch and there's no indication that she's not on the team anymore so I don't know what the hell story yeah I suppose I was just looking out for some overt mention to her still being the quarterback or at least you know the reserve fucking quarterback or second string or whatever way they put it um but it seems like you know Ken is the number one quarterback and now then and then Scott and then where does that leave Claire I just I need answers I know by the way if there's something we're missing about football like American football listeners like do let us know because possibly there is very possible. Um, so, yeah, at the gladiators table, uh, the fu- the rest of the team are asking Scott about his dance plans. And we're told that he doesn't mix much socially. Some people said this was because he was shy. Some said it was because he was stuck up. But he sounds anything but shy today. Uh, no, like he's an asshole. Mm. <laughs> They're, um, yeah, he... He's saying, yeah, they're kind of getting on his case about, yeah, not having a a date for the dance. And he's like, oh, if I don't have a date, uh, it's because I don't want one. Uh, And they're all like, oh, right. Yeah, that's not the way I hear it. And uh, one of them, Zach Johnson, is like, oh, I I hear you've been dumped so many times. You're afraid to ask anyone out. Uh, So Scott's kind of shocked at this. And he's like, oh, you must be falling on your head too much, Johnson. Scott trusts because it does not get dumped. (laughs) At which point Liz then is like, except by Amy Sutton. (laughs) And the best part is that Todd says that doesn't count. (laughs) She dumps so many people. Fantastic. Just yes, one example of the amazing digs at Amy that they managed to get in in this book. They're very satisfying. So the ga- the the football gang are all slacking Scott off. And Danny Porter, who is a nice guy, tells him to sort of, okay, look, come on, leave him alone. But does tell Scott rightly, you've got to admit you've got a little bit of an attitude problem when it comes to girls. And Scott reacts very obnoxiously. Yeah, he's like, oh, look who's talking. I don't see them lining up for you, Porter. You probably can't remember when your last date was. Whereas I, he goes, I could go to that dance with any girl I want. Just like that, he said, snapping his fingers. Uh, And and Danny's actually kind of aghast at this. He's like, you are too much. What are you talking about? (laughs) So the rest of them are like, oh, okay, grand. And start egging him on. So they're like, okay, then prove how popular you are. So Scott just kind of gets up and he's like, oh, don't you worry. I'll be at the dance and I won't be alone. And he just kind of heads off. Storms off, I guess. I don't know. Very cool, Scott. Yes, I can see why you'd be in demand. By the way, (laughs) Danny has had his share of the ladies. Yeah, like Jessica was eyeing him up not too long ago, I feel like. and he cropped up in a book recently because somebody fancied him. Mm. So, um, 
Yeah, uh, I think da- like Danny's been doing better than you, Scott. Who definitely, yeah, like, Danny's. Don't worry about Danny; he's doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Liz um, is unimpressed, but Todd says, "Oh, look, you know, Scott's not so bad." And Liz is like, uh, "What?" And then says, "He acts as if he's the best thing to happen to women since pantyhose." <laughs> Why do they keep using that word? <laughs> it's just to torment you, Anna. <laughs> it was a blindfold in the last book. <laughs> so Todd basically says, "Oh, look, it's just basically locker room talk." But Liz mm. is enraged. And yeah, she's she's just on. Yeah, she has a real vendetta against Scott. She's like, it means something to me. She's like, it means he's a creep, and she's not wrong. So later she vents to Alice and says Todd's attitude attitude reminds her of the recent a beauty pageant and uh, it's as if uh, he thinks girls are not people at all. You'd think there was a girl tree or something and that all he has to do is reach out and pick the one he wants. But Jessica comes in, Jessica comes in and she does not get what the fuss is about. Oh God, I suppose Jessica just assumes they're talking about what she wants them to be talking about because she just kind of comes in literally at the very end of that sentence and she's like, what's wrong with going after what you want? And Liz is like, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about boys who think that any girl should be thrilled to get to date them. And and Jessica just like (laughs) stares blankly at her. (laughs) And she's like, I don't see what's wrong with a little self-confidence. And it kind of like, Liz kind of can see that this is going to turn into a row for absolutely no reason and she turns to Alice who has ducked behind the refrigerator door because <laughs> she's like what is this I've been working all day I'm not getting involved in a row with these two idiots <laughs> I also like that Liz thinks she knew Jessica seriously believed that any boy she liked would be thrilled to go out with her so it was difficult for her to appreciate the point Elizabeth was trying to make <laughs> I love it yes throwing digs at Jessica too while you're at a ghostwriter you are on a roll <laughs> this is my favourite ghostwriter wherever you are yeah. we salute you we love you <laughs> um, so Jessica's like oh why shouldn't a person who's in love not go after what he or she wants and this is like uh, that is not what I'm saying but Jessica gets extremely dramatic and declares I believe in true love it's everyone's destiny and everyone has the right to go out and find it no matter what that she marches out just yeah she's just on one completely like I just absolutely took in nothing that Elizabeth said there and just decided <laughs> that uh yeah they were wrong even though she didn't know what they were talking about <laughs> well later Liz goes in to make peace and Jess says she forgives her because love has made me understanding <laughs> oh god <laughs> And she's engrossed in a book about dreams. But Liz reminds her that she has more important things to be uh, worrying about and uh, and reading about. And what this is, is the most... I, I'm just going to say, I, what was Mr. Collins thinking? <laughs> I mean, really, Mr. Collins? Really? <laughs> yeah, because uh, Liz is like, oh, you have this big project for English due soon. And... Jessica's like, oh, no, this book is much more interesting than making a mock travel brochure. <laughs> I mean, what the hell kind of English project is this? this is... <laughs> What's happening? Maybe they're doing like a, a copywriting class or something that has turned up for no good reason on their syllabus. <laughs> one, week, one week they're like reading Madame Bovary and the next <laughs> they're, they're doing tra- mock travel brochures. Sure. <laughs> Well, I'm just going to say I cannot believe that we have a book that has a subplot involving an English project and we do not get even a mention 
of Mr. Collins. No. Yeah, we're robbed again in this one, unfortunately. Mm, no, I'm just taking uh, advantage of the fact that it is English, just to mention his name, just to keep him alive in our hearts. <laughs> keep the memory going. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next day, Jessica bursts into the kitchen in what we're told is a blaze of tropical colours. Oh my God. <laughs> she is on a particular theme. Uh, yes, this <laughs> this book. And uh, when Ned sees her, he's like, uh, are you going to school or to a luau? He asked with a smile. <laughs> Ned is in full sort of sit- cheesy sitcom dad mode in this book. And I actually quite enjoy it. Me too. It was quite nice, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so um, she had the dream yet again. Oh, God. Um, yeah, like, again, she kind of bangs on and tries to, to make them ask her to tell them about her stupid fucking oh dream. Um, and uh, yeah, her family's response to this news was not overwhelming. <laughs> like everyone's just like, oh, God, not this. So apparently it's the fourth time now that she's had it. And uh, she explains the whole thing again, because apparently Ned has managed to escape hearing mm. all about it in detail. But um yeah, everybody has to listen to it again. And uh, I think Liz notices that every time she retells mm. the dream, it's always changing slightly. So this time yes. the storm was a hurricane. She was wearing a sarong. The sand was black. There was a lot of large white flowers growing on the beach. So uh, Jessica's like, don't you see? It's Hawaii. The beach in my dream is in Hawaii. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and they point out, look, that Hawaii isn't the only place in the world with black sand. And uh, also, uh, this is a dream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Jessica says you can laugh if you want Elizabeth Wakefield but I know that this boy is my one true love and I know for a fact that he's waiting for me in Hawaii and uh, Liz is like oh okay poor old Ned uh, the whole time has just been asking Jessica to pass him the milk <laughs> yeah, he's asked like three or four times at this stage while she's banging on and on about it because yeah the guy was wearing a Hawaiian shirt which is further proof that the oh, speech is yeah. in Hawaii so uh, yeah like it's just as fascinating this time around as it was the first <laughs> time but yeah poor Ned is just trying to get his milk for yeah. God's sake sitcom dad Ned <laughs> well, meanwhile our old pal Sandy Bacon uh, yeah. is <laughs> yeah. she's she's giving Jean a lift to school and in a way that I would consider a bit much and not in any way comforting she's banging on about how crazy it is that no one's asked Jean to the dance <laughs> um yeah she's just like what's wrong with the boys in this school Jean laughed they're all blind she suggested like imagine just having that kind of confidence though when you were 16 I mean Jean's like, pretty brilliant has to be and said. single it is very cool of her but just like it wouldn't have been me <laughs> no and it was not at all <laughs> What stage Sandy says to Jean? Oh god, god this is You're so terrific. It really upsets me to see you sitting home by yourself every Saturday night. So call her and go to the fucking cinema. You don't I have to go know. out with a date when you leave the house. My notes just say this fucking town. Oh, to god. Sandy says love is in the air, but Jean says it's just car fumes. <laughs> but but uh, at school she finds herself humming a love song and tells herself Jean uh, West you've got a touch of spring fever oh yes because it is springtime we actually have oh, a, a yeah. specific time of year nailed down which doesn't usually Fine. happen so I mean they'll be they'll be leaving junior year any day now at this rate of going <laughs> though also we did have Todd coming back at like Todd was in Vermont at Christmas mm-hmm. so I guess, yeah, that was Christmas and now we're into spring. Hmm. 
Mm. <laughs> anyway. Then you're Let's not think about that too much. No. So uh, she finds something in her locker. What could it be? Oh, there's a single lilac sheet of paper <gasps> uh, in an envelope. And she thinks it's going to be like an invite to something. Um, but it's a letter written in a painstakingly neat hand. And uh, yeah, it turns out it's a love letter. And who could it be from? Oh, fucking Scott Trust. <laughs> <gasps> yes. And it's a very uh, flowery, we'll put it that way. Very. It's all like, oh, your skin reminds me of pearls and your eyes remind me of stars. And he just kind of goes on and on about how he fancies her yes. uh, in, in, as you say, very flowery language. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, just asks her to to put a note in, in his locker if she feels the same way. Maybe we could make a date. So, yeah. yeah. He says, by the way, I'm not opposed to anything, Jean. I'm a quarterback. I'm a good quarterback. <laughs> but when it comes to telling a girl like you how I really feel about her, well, I guess I never really got off the bench. Oh, God. <laughs> so much. She's yuck. <laughs> well, she is stunned, but she's a bit excited, and we're told she never, you know, she never really considered Scott before. But uh, apparently, quote, he was good looking and a hard working student. He literally isn't. He was kicked off the team because he was on academic probation. Oh, very true. Yes, his grades weren't good enough, so he got booted off. You're right. Yeah, that's why Claire Middleton even had a chance <gasps> of being fucking quarterback. True. <laughs> Well, we're also told that uh, when she had sat next to him in history class one year, and he was pleasant enough and recited a funny poem about Paul Revere to her. So okay. that's uh, <laughs> her one fond memory of him. Mm. But uh, <laughs> she thinks then about his macho reputation and that Amy Sutton had dumped him pretty quickly. But considering the fact that Amy had dumped him because he'd been suspended for the football team, her opinion couldn't be counted. <laughs> Just absolutely digs flying. It's fantastic. It's amazing. <laughs> so she can't stop thinking about him all day and she decides to suss out other people's opinion of, of him. And, and this is actually quite entertaining, this bit. It just goes through everybody she asks and what they thought. It's very good. It's like, so you guys, just quick poll. Just, just, yeah. just give me one second. <laughs> um, yeah, so she figures, uh, yeah, he's the sort of boy who hung out with other boys and didn't really have any female friends. That's what Maria so, thinks, yeah. Oh, sorry, that was Maria's opinion. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Winston thought that Scott took himself too seriously, but that he meant no harm. Ken Matthews thought he was an excellent quarterback. <laughs> That's all he had to say on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim Nelson couldn't get over the fact that Scott had restored his Corvette all by himself hmm. um, Amy said that Scott was an okay dancer but that he never talked about anything but himself and like that kind of seems like a pretty good uh, take on Scott I would say though actually no, when, but when he goes out spoiler alert everybody when he goes out with Jean he does ask her a lot of you know he, he's mm. in fairness to him he's not just banging on about himself Maybe. So right. I was like, maybe it was just Amy was so boring. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I'm very biased against him, though, because oh, I really yes, just like this guy. You're right. <laughs> so I'm just like, she's right. He does just talk about himself, <laughs> even if he doesn't. <laughs> um, what was Lila's? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lila thinks, uh, she didn't think Scott's parents were very well off, but she did grudgingly admit that the Corvette was a pretty nice car. <laughs> and she said, it always surprises me how much some people can do without money. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah so there's basically there's people are kind of neutral to like oh he's a bit full of himself but he's a bit quiet and uh 
when when Jean tries to discover how many girls Scott had dated and dumped her but dumped fine she found out that he had gone out once or twice with a few different girls but that the only serious girlfriend he'd had was Amy having Amy as a serious girlfriend Jean knew was like having lawn mowing as a serious <laughs> career that is a fucking unbelievable burn oh my god <laughs> I am here for each and every dig at that like, Amy is just being absolutely savaged in this book and it's so funny. I love every one of it because (laughs) I think we both agree that Amy has never really felt any consequences for her frankly psychopathic actions. Very true, yes. The only thing she got was that she dumped Ken for Scott and then she was, oh no, Ken got, or Scott left the football team so she didn't get honour and glory but that's not really enough. No, definitely not. Well, after school, Jessica offers Jean a lift into town and we get another deep dive. Oh, um, yeah, she, Jean has been thinking about going into town and getting a new lipstick and a batik scarf she had seen in the blue parrot. <gasps> it's back! It's very still going, that guy with, <laughs> I don't know, I've, I can't remember, did he wear a bolo tie or just imagine, I imagined that oh, he did. But uh, I imagine it went with one too, but he did yeah. want to buy Didi's appalling sounding t-shirts <laughs> yes he did he was mad for the old hand painted t-shirts so yeah the bolo tie just seemed to fit can't remember if it's canon or not but it is now yeah, uh, yeah so that's still going strong obviously the, the blue parrot lives so mm. good for them <laughs> good on them with their slightly more imaginative name than most places <laughs> so Jean decides to ask Jessica for advice because she's the suit by the high boys expert but Jess is banging on about her stupid dream and at one stage we're told it should take it should take several minutes for Jessica to get from the first part of her dream to the second. And Jean was feeling a little numb. <laughs> Fantastic! Oh my god, this is so good. Yeah, Jessica is literally just banging on about this fucking dream, um, and poor Jean is just like, oh god, this was the worst idea ever. So, uh, but in fairness to Jean, uh, very cleverly, mm. she kind of decides, look, yeah, Jessica is the woman to ask for advice here. Yes. But the way to get her on topic is to pretend that this kind of letter situation is a dream that she's had. Yes. So this is a very clever way of actually getting Jessica's attention, seeing as she's on such a dream buzz right now and interpreting them for people. Um, Yeah, so she says that she dreamt that she found a note in her locker, but that she doesn't know who the boy is. Mm. So she's like, oh, you know, when I'm asleep, I know who it is. But when I wake up, I have no idea. Classic, said Jessica. Absolutely classic. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica is loving being a dream expert. It's pretty funny, actually. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah, her uh, her interpretation is that uh, uh, yes, that the boy that there's a you know uh, this boy who wrote her a letter is serious but not confident enough to admit it, which surprises Jean based on Scott. Very true, because he talks such big game, I suppose, like in yeah. the cafeteria and in front of all the lads, like he's so mouthy. But um, yeah, but it, it does kind of pique her interest as well that this could actually be a maybe an interesting take on, mm. on the situation. So, yes. yeah. And I think Jessica also points out that, uh, you know, the letter is written on such fancy paper. That means he's Ooh, very yes. serious and he really cares. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, she kind of, Jean is a bit like, yeah, but he doesn't seem like he's insecure, but mm. uh, Jessica's uh, advice is that uh, when love knocks, you've got to open the door. <laughs> so Jean heads off to the mall to buy some writing paper. Ooh. <laughs> well, we cut to the Casatel Wakefield where several hours later, where G- Jessica has missed dinner duty yet again. She was <laughs> at the library and... Um, they have a quarrel, but later Liz feels guilty. She's like, well, at least Jessica's studying and... 
you know, I should be happy, should be pleased. So she finds Jessica surrounded by books, but they're not study books. They're not books and writing a mock travel brochure. They're uh, <laughs> whatever that they're might all, be. They're all books about interpreting dreams. <laughs> and uh, Jessica says, "What's more important than love?" And Liz says, "As far as you're concerned, passing English is more important than love, unless you're planning to spend the rest of your life as a high school junior." That is. I mean, (laughs) hello, (laughs) having a bit of fun here, are we? (laughs) Oh, I love you, Ghost Rider, because that is definitely a little meta dig. Definitely. (laughs) And Jessica snaps back, don't be ridiculous, I'm planning to spend the rest of my life in Hawaii. No, (laughs) there you go. So that night, Liz has a dream about Scott picking girls from a tree and she wakes up fuming. She's so mad. Oh my God. (laughs) And it's funny because it is it does seem like she's more angry at him for the way he was in the dream than actually really anything he's really done up to this point. Mm, true, yes, because I mean it's not like it is just uh, dream scotch she's angry yeah. about, and she stomps into the kitchen where Ned is is again being all sort of like, oh, I didn't think us Wakefield spoke to ourselves when you we sang to ourselves in the shower because she's like. <laughs> And Liz asks her parents, do you think most boys just want someone pretty who will tell them how wonderful they are all the time? And Alice says, I think most people, whether they're male or female, want a friend, a companion, a real person. Don't you think so, Ned? And Ned goes into full sitcom mode. (laughs) With a wink and everything. He's like, not me. I was looking for a pretty woman who would tell me how wonderful I was all the time. But then I fell in love with your mother. (laughs) I had to settle for a real person instead. (laughs) I mean, that's very cheesy, but actually quite sweet. It's kind of cute. It makes a change from them just being terrible parents that they're actually just being kind of cheesy and cute together. Yes, I I don't actually hate it. (laughs) So Jessica runs in and we'll get, I mean, you will get to that outfit later. (laughs) Let's just say it's got a totally tropical taste. (laughs) She is the lint man. It's her. (laughs) So she says, oh, you're not going to believe this. She's all excited and Please, Jessica, Mr. Wakefield begged, tell us, I can't stand the suspense. (laughs) I'm really enjoying Ned in this book. He's so sassy. (laughs) Then Jessica makes a dramatic declaration. Oh, God. Apparently the guy in the dream, uh, his name is Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she just states, Jackson. And Ned is all like, "Uh, uh, what? I thought that's a town. And he's like, no, it's an my dream guy. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah, Ned just like, oh, God, I give up this crazy bitch. <laughs> Ned's <laughs> off to work. Yeah, he's out of here. <laughs> and when Liz goes to Jess has a question for Alice. Yes, she wants to know that if she raised enough money for the fair, would Alice let her go to Hawaii by herself? Uh, and Alice is like, um, she looks fondly at her younger daughter. She knew from experience that Jessica's enthusiasm probably wouldn't last long enough for her to raise enough for a bottle of sunblock. Of course, dear, she said. That seems perfectly reasonable to me. <laughs> this pleases Jessica. Fantastic. It's so funny. Yeah, Ned and Alice are actually in great form in this one. Yeah, they are. I like them. Meanwhile, Jean has arrived early at school to drop off her note in Scott's locker um, saying she'd like to go on a date with her number. And then who should she see walking along the corridor towards her? That you'd be delighted at this vision, Karen. <laughs> well, this is it. She's gone a few steps, but she sees Scott uh, coming towards her and he's with Ken Matthews. <laughs> <gasps> and we're told she can't pretend she hasn't seen them because they're both over six feet tall. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I also noted that. I was uh, like, <laughs> I doesn't say it, I'm going to mention it because I feel like it's important to note that Ken Matthews is over six feet tall. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so she's all flustered, but Scott ignores her. Oh, yeah. Like they're kind of smiling and laughing as they're kind of coming towards her. And she's all kind of like, oh, what do I do? And he like completely blanks her. Like yeah. it's actually, it actually sounds rude. Like oh even if you didn't God. know the person that well, he'd be like, hey, yeah, or something. But no, he literally like turns his head. Oh. Um, and Jean's kind of embarrassed, but she's just like, oh, he's just shy. That's what it is. Mm. So at lunch, uh, she sees him being all rowdy with Ken, Danny and Winston. <laughs> what is Winston doing mixed in with all these footballers? But okay, fine. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she's so distracted. She almost misses Lila chastising Jessica because Jessica's turned down a date. Yeah, Jessica uh, was asked by Stephen Anderson. Wherever the hell he uh, is. <laughs> if, uh, if she'd go with him to this spring dance, um, but yeah, she turned him down because she's so obsessed with her fictional guy from her dream. So she's convinced he's waiting for her in Hawaii. She's like, no, I can't go with some randomer from school. So yeah, it's, yes. it's pretty ridiculous. That's totally normal uh, <laughs> to not go out with somebody because solely because you've got a dream boy. Oh God. Yeah, Kara is there as well. And she's like, isn't there an old saying about one hunk and sweet valley being worth two in Hawaii? <laughs> Jessica's disappointed by how unromantic they all are because they don't uh, think she should be going thousands of miles away to follow a dream. <laughs> God, sweet Jesus. So meanwhile, Liz is telling Enid about her next piece for the Oracle, which will be in a, a sort of an exploration of why boys and girls fancy each other. And apparently Claire had a great idea. Yeah, um, they're going to do a questionnaire. Um, oh, this is like... Was there really a need for a C plot as well as well as what's already going on? No, oh, there wasn't. Uh, yeah, so they're going to do a questionnaire. Liz wants everyone to answer it, but she's really interested in getting replies from the kids who are actually in couples. Like, ooh, is they the only ones worth talking to? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, oh God, what is it? Some bullshit about what really attracts people. Yeah, boys and girls. Boys and girls. That's like, important it's a load of shite. Oh my God. Also, I feel so sorry for Edith in this book because she's being a bit sort of like self-deprecating with an edge you know, that slightly <laughs> uncomfortable thing where people are like, it's self-deprecating, but it doesn't seem like a joke. So it's quite, unco- you know, it's a bit like, ooh. Yeah, oh, that's it. <laughs> uh, when Liz says about she wants to hear from couples, uh, Edith says, well, you can count me out as usual. And then you'll meet someone soon, Elizabeth said brightly. And that just keeps talking. <laughs> so fucking patronizing it's like you meet someone soon well anyway about my interesting thing more importantly my stupid fucking thing i've made up for the oracle (laughs) it's the brightly that just gets to me so apparently claire is like a photographer now Oh, there's some throwaway mention of her having been in the, like the photography club, I think. Oh but I was shit, also, she was in it. Oh, but, but this is this is also just like just just let Jeffrey back in, you guys. Oh, <laughs> He's well, the photographer. In fairness, this will be too much for him. She <laughs> wants Claire to take photos of couples, Ugh. <laughs> but Claire is distracted. She is. Uh, yeah, so she she's standing by. No wait. Claire is distracted. Sorry, yes. have I jumped ahead slightly? <laughs> yeah, she's looking over at the table with the cheerleaders. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, she's um, she's looking at, well, 
<laughs> that's it. Liz follows Claire's gaze and finds herself looking at the back of Scott Trost's head. But she's like, no, that that's not right. <laughs> that can't be it. So she kind of shifts her gaze slightly and sees that uh, she's looking at Danny Porter. So she's like, oh, OK, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's like, yeah, that's that's she's OK with that, apparently. <laughs> um so yeah uh she's um she's she's relieved um and we get a hint that claire has something on her mind mm. later God, they're all muttering under their breath in this book <laughs> Jean is muttering to go or not to go <laughs> that is the question because she doesn't know whether to hang around uh school looking for scott at the end of the school day or go home in case he calls her there so she heads to a soccer but who should be there but Claire. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she uh, finds Claire uh, standing by Danny Porter's locker, but that's the one next to Scott. It is. And she looks as surprised to see Jean as Jean is to see her. So she's kind of like, oh, hey, Claire. Um, so like it does mention that they don't know each other well, but they oh. both apparently work what? at Project oh, once a week. But as if. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Get out of here. <laughs> we have literally never heard of Project Youth before two books ago. Mm-hmm. And now Claire Middleton and Jean help out in an after school program for the children of working parents. Lies. Absolute bullshit. <laughs> this is oh can't believe you expect I mean I love you, ghostwriter of this book, but really this is bollocks. But come on now. Yeah. <laughs> we all have our limits. <laughs> So Claire says she's looking for Scott and Gina's like, oh, but it, then she says, because he uh, lent him my, I lent him my Spanish notes. So Gina's relieved. And yeah, she, uh, yeah, she kind of wonders if Claire notices how, uh, how relieved she was in, in seeing that. But um, yeah, she says, oh, no, I haven't seen him since lunch. Um, but Claire's like, OK, if you see him, just tell him I'm looking for him. So they kind of part ways. Yes. But uh, but Jean all the way home is just like looking at her watch the whole time. She's like, oh, God, it was it taking ages. Oh, no. She's kind of like trying to get home as fast as she can, expecting the phone to be ringing as soon as she gets in nearly. But uh, um, it's not, obviously. <laughs> there's kind of a brilliant. I, again, this is the uh, the the way that the this ghostwriter has a bit of fun with the premise. So uh, we go through the evening as as uh, Jean has basically a different excuse every hour for Scott not regular like by si- at six he- she's thinking okay he's probably went to the dairy burger after practice by seven she's thinking oh maybe he didn't get my note by eight she's like oh maybe I got the wrong locker um, so she's gone through every single possibility but what should happen at ten o'clock well finally uh, her mum calls her and she's like uh, there's a phone call for you so she's like oh it's probably Sandy um, because she usually calls for a chat around this time apparently after she's finished her homework uh, so she picks up the phone and she's like hey but uh, it wasn't Sandy <gasps> no it is Scott Trust the man himself yes and uh, he asks her out on a date to the Box Tree Cafe Mm, yeah on uh, Saturday night they're oh. going to go out so yes she accepts so next day Liz is uh, trying to go through her questionnaire before it's handed out to the masses but uh, Jessica won't stop badgering her because she's got something to print out too oh god yes she's got uh, well she waves this piece of paper at Liz who can see that there's a headline on saying dreams unlimited and she's like oh god now what's she up to because <laughs> um, Jess has had 50 copies made and uh, yeah, it's an ad for her new dream consultancy. 
<laughs> so it's uh, understand your dreams, discover your destiny, unlock the secrets of love, expert analysis and interpretation of your dreams. Confidential. <laughs> and Liz looks of the flyer to her twin's beaming face. Expert, she repeated to herself. Confidential. Did Jessica realise she could be arrested for false advertising? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, Jess is convinced this is the best idea she's ever had. Um, but uh, yeah, considering some of the ideas Jessica has had over the years, Elizabeth, Elizabeth thought this might very well be the best. If only she could figure out what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and also um, she, uh, yeah, she's, um, she's, she's convinced that this will, Jessica is convinced this will fund her trip to find Jackson. And I mean, Liz is all, uh, people are not going to pay you. You've only been interested in dreams for a few days. And I've been interested in dreams for almost a whole week. Jessica corrected her. (laughs) This writer has so much fun with Jessica. She really does. That's the thing. Because, yeah, that's the thing. I suppose with Jessica, it's like when she's not actively in life ruining mode, she can be quite funny. Um, yes and enjoyable and i guess yeah this is kind of like just a funny silly like tofu glow jessica you know yes this is very much uh mm. tofu glow jessica which is our favorite jessica because she's just entertainingly deranged as opposed to a psychopath that's it she's not dragging anybody else into her shit and and you know making yeah. things terrible for people for no reason and she takes herself really seriously which is yes. kind of funny so uh <laughs> yeah i'm 100 here for it so she gives out to liz for her lack of faith and uh Meanwhile, Jean is late for school um, because she was trying on so many outfits to impress Scott. But even though they had a great chat on the phone last night, when she sees him in school, he kind of blanks her again. Yeah, he had done no more than nod at her, apparently. And it's like they had been on the phone for a good while, it sounds like, the night before or like had properly chatted. Yeah, had a Uh, nice chat, like she was into it. Exactly, yeah, and he'd sounded sincere on the phone mm. and, you know, he said how happy her note had made him. So she's kind of second-guessing herself and she's like, was he trying to drive her crazy? It's like, what's going on here? And she also is a bit annoyed because she can't really talk to anyone about it. Yeah. Um, because he's now acting so oddly and she's like, oh, you know what, the less anybody knows about this, the better. Mm. So she doesn't want anyone feeling sorry for her if it all went wrong. I suppose she's still just stung after the whole Tom situation. But then she sees uh, something on the notice board that gives her an idea of what to do. <laughs> yes, she spots Jessica's very professional looking uh, Dreams Unlimited ad. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, actually, the thing is, she just knows that Jessica does know a lot about boys and that if she can tell Jessica anything in the guise of a dream, <laughs> she can get some <laughs> That's it. She'll actually get her to pay attention to what she's talking about and... Uh, has her focused on the issue yes. and uh, yeah we'll actually get her advice which you know and it's true she if anyone knows anything about boys in Sweet Valley it is Jessica Wakefield <laughs> well this is another amusing conversation uh, because she tells Jessica that she's having this dream where she's walking down a tunnel not the corridor mm-hmm. and sees a guy she likes and Jessica's all who is he is he good looking do I know him and Gina's uh, like oh no 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 he's uh, like he's not a real person and Jessica says I bet he's not as good looking as Jackson. <laughs> I don't just That's say, good sweet Jesus. <laughs> She's crazy. <laughs> but like, it even then says like, Jean was not about to be sidetracked because it's like, <laughs> we all know what Jessica's like. Let's try and keep this bitch on, on task here. 
<laughs> but the whole conversation, she keeps trying to continue. And Jess, uh, and so, you know, she says like the boy ignores her when he sees her. But Jessica keeps interrupting kind of hilariously. And equally hilariously, Jean sort of humors her to keep her going. Because one day Jessica <laughs> says, am I in the dream? Jean nodded emphatically. Oh, absolutely, Jessica. You're right beside me. Jessica absorbed this information. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> That's it. It's like, it's how you just keep her attention. It's like, yes, yes, you were there. Don't worry about it. So Jessica oh, asks God. her, is the guy in his own or is he with his friends? And when Jessica, where Jean says he's with her, his friends, Jessica says, well, that means he's just too shy to admit his love in front of others. And Jean is very vocally delighted with this. Yeah, she figures that uh, this makes perfect sense. Uh, apparently, she's like, oh, yes, that's that's it. Uh, particularly when you consider Scott's reputation and the ragging he takes from the other boys. Um, so she's so happy. She drops her tray down on the table. And gives <laughs> Jessica a hug. Jessica, she shouted. Jessica, you were a genius. You were the best dream interpreter in the world. And everyone like stops to look at what's going on. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> What is happening? It's like even Lila suddenly stopped in the middle of a dissertation about Shantung Silk. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's what she was talking about. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Does that mean that the ghostwriter, like, also notices the repeated silk blouses? God, maybe like this ghostwriter is having a lot of fun. I feel like writing oh, this because there's so gosh. many just little like one liners and little throwaway things that are just like, yes, we know what you mean here. <laughs> I want to find out who this ghostwriter is. <laughs> this is the ghostwriter I want to interview. <laughs> yes. Reveal yourself to us. Uh, so, uh, yeah, everybody stares and Jessica tosses her hair and smiles like a psychopath because <laughs> she's just been told she's a genius in front of the hell school. I'll do it. So later, Claire and Liz are handing out the questionnaires and Claire says she's tempted to consult Jessica because she's had a recurring dream herself. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, she... Poor Claire. She's like, uh, I'm on the football field and it must be during a game, but uh, I don't see any crowd. And it's like she's the only player on the field running towards the nine yard line with the ball uh, under her arm. And then all of a sudden she sees one of her teammates off to the right waiting to pass the ball. Then she looks to the left and there's another gladiator <gasps> waiting for me to pass the ball to him. So there's two guys. But um, yeah, Liz is like, oh, and do you know who they are? But she doesn't because they're wearing um, their helmets. So, yeah, she's like, um, oh, yeah, and she's too stressed out in the dream to really pay that much attention to them because there's some guy behind her, Matt Ambers, who is like Big Mason's star tackle. So, uh, yeah, so it's a whole thing (laughs) that she's being chased as well on top of everything else. And she wakes up before she can decide who she's going to pass to. Um, And usually she wouldn't be that bothered about things, but apparently this is the second night that she's had it and it's bothering her. And it's not, she's apparently very uh, decisive on the pitch. So it's Mm. not like her to you know, this is clearly means something. Um, so uh, Liz wonders if two boys have asked her to the dance and Claire admits one boy likes her and she's, but she's interested in someone else. And Liz as- assumes he knows who's after Claire. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, like Liz had a fairly good idea who was interested in Claire. Mm, like she's just so this. certain all the time about everything. But apparently she'd seen John Pfeiffer. Uh, one of the Oracle staff photographers whatever um, hanging around Claire offering to give her special help uh, with her own work for the photography club that was the photography club mentioned ah but, that's uh, what it is I think I missed that yeah but uh, but then yeah she doesn't know who the other guy could be um, so she's like yeah maybe this is just similar to the situation in your dream and you're not sure which guy you really like 
Uh, but then they're interrupted by Danny Porter. Uh, yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, Danny uh, approaches and Claire gets all flustered and he clearly likes her. And Liz realizes that she has more in common with Jessica than she thinks because she immediately <laughs> wants to fix those crazy kids up. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, this is the thing. She's like, what else could all this smiling and blushing mean? Instead of minding her own business, as she knew she should. When did she oh, ever know to mind her own yeah, business? Give right. me a fucking break. Uh, she decides to push things along. And uh, yeah, she decides to yeah, I guess stick her oar in, basically, and try to um, push them towards each other, I guess. Yeah, of course. <laughs> So uh, we cut to Jean uh, and we're told that every Thursday after school she helped out a project too. But usually she didn't get there by walking on air. <laughs> so when she arrives, um, after I'm floating all the way there in a haze of love, she she and Claire chat about how they've both been asked out for the first time in ages. They bond and they sort of joke about it. So they're both likeable like, and it's genuinely quite charming. Well, they no, they are. They are quite like funny and sweet, like as a a pair who who you do buy as friends, like definitely. Even though they have just been kind of thrown together for the purposes of this book, yeah. Like they do, they do, they do. Like yeah, they they seem like convincing friends. Yeah. The one thing that does not convince is that neither of them mention there and then, seeing as they go to the same school, who they have been <laughs> asked out by. That is fair. Yes. Like in real life, you would be go, oh god, and do you know who it is. <laughs> so they decide to go shopping for outfits for their dates the next day. Meanwhile, Liz is delighted by how many people have filled in her questionnaire already, but Jessica is exhausted because uh, her phone is ringing off the hook. Oh God, she's absolutely worn out. Apparently it's not easy being a professional dream consultant. Uh, but uh, yeah, Jess is like, do you think I'd look even more expert if I started wearing glasses? <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's worn out because everyone is uh, just ringing her the whole time. But she's also apparently not at the stage where she's actually charging anybody yet. No. Because she says she has to build up her reputation first and then she'll be able to start asking people for money. So uh, so Liz is like, right, so you're not making any money. Yeah. But uh, Jess is like, it's only a matter of time. And it's tofu glow yet again. It's back. <laughs> yes, Liz says, does the word tofu glow mean anything to you? <laughs> of course it does, Jessica said with a sweet smile. It reminds me I'll have to do something about my hair before I leave for Hawaii. Oh, she's a card, this one. <laughs> and speaking of uh, uh, divas with big personalities, as you know, we are fans of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race in this podcast. And that's why we are also fans of the wonderful Sissy That Pop. Oh, we are huge fans of Sissy That Pod uh, here at Double Love. Um, so yeah, Keen and James do recaps of episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race and uh, they're just hilarious. And I kind of feel like if you're listening to us and you're in any ways into Drag Race, yes, you're probably listening already. But just in case you're not already on that Get on it, because they're fantastic. They are. They have great guests. Uh, they recap all the various iterations of Drag Race all around the world. Um, and they have been uh, kind enough to come on our show. Uh, they have been, we, there have, haven't been many guests in uh, in Double Love history. There's been the brilliant and acclaimed novelist Louise O'Neill. And uh, there have been the Sissy That Pod guys. So uh, they're, you know, only the best for this show. And oh, absolutely. They are the best. <laughs> there you go. And also their bonus content is fantastic lately. They've been, uh, so it's the workroom is their bonus content, which is oh, so good. So nice, they've, been, yes. they've been getting stuck into uh, Drag Race Holland, Drag Race Canada. They've recently started chatting about movies as well. So they've done an episode about Death Becomes Her, which is 
so oh, good a classic like, an absolute classic and they've recently chatted about Paris is burning as well so there's loads of good stuff going on over there with the lads and you can hear a little bit about the, of, of of their uh, their magic right now come on sissy that pod let's get sickening are you a fan of the Emmy award winning show RuPaul's Drag Race do you think about Roxy Andrews at the bus stop and do you belong in Party City well sissy that pod is the podcast for you join me James and my co-host Keen. is there something on my face as we chat weekly about the runway realness sickening shade and backstage buffoonery that's right whether it's new episodes of Drag Race US UK or All Stars Sissy That Pod will spill the tea with a new episode for you within 24 hours. So make good choices and subscribe to Sissy That Pod from the Headstuff Podcast Network and we'll leave you gagging on our eleganza. Now, let the music play. And now, back to Sweet Valley. Where on the way to school in the Fiat Spider, aka the Death Wagon, <laughs> Jessica is looking through the surveys and uh, she finds uh, Liz's questions quite easy to answer. <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah, apparently, which of the following is most important in a potential date is one of these amazingly written questions. Uh, and the options are looks, personality, character, popularity, other. <laughs> Jessica's like, hmm, easy, looks. <laughs> And Liz is all like, oh, come, come on, Jessica. And <laughs> Jessica's response is not what Liz was expecting. Oh, God. Yeah, she's like, well, I guess clothes count as a lot too. But, you know, I wouldn't want to go out with someone who dressed poorly. But you didn't list that as an answer, Liz. <laughs> Liz doesn't even bother answering her um, as they pull in. And uh, who should manifest in front of them but a, a shrieking Lila? <laughs> oh, my goodness. How exciting. Um, yeah, apparently Liz couldn't remember ever seeing her this excited. Had someone named a shopping mall after her, Elizabeth wondered. <laughs> um, so yeah, she runs wailing uh, over to Jessica, throws her arms around her and uh, says she's taking back every doubt she ever had about the dream business. Um, mm. So Liz is very surprised at these words of praise because apparently it's highly unusual for Lila to praise anyone who wasn't either rich, famous or Lila Fowler. <laughs> do like that so good <laughs> so yeah it turns out Jessica was right about uh, her dream predictions she was right about Lila's this almost makes it sound like she's just psychic um, like <laughs> how is she inter- what are the dreams she's interpreting but anyway um, she claimed that Lila's dad would buy her a bracelet and also that she would get involved with a musician and it turns out that yes Amy did fix her up with the dreamy guitarist who works Ooh. in the music store at the mall now a dreamy guitarist who works in the music store would be good enough for, for you and I you and me but <laughs> it is I mean I'm surprised Lila would lower herself maybe she has a new appreciation for musicians now that she herself (gasps) is a musician (laughs) i did hope we're going to get a marimba reference but sadly (laughs) no maybe we didn't find out what it was no we have to make our own marimba references now (laughs) i did get a mountain dulcimer for my birthday the other week and that is something you you know you play flat with strings (laughs) so i don't know maybe i'm on the marimba trail maybe you are you get any any minute now you'll figure it out (laughs) So later, Liz and Todd discuss her article and she says she's overlooking the uh, one crucial fact that, um, you know, boys can be different when they're with the lads than they are with girls. And they basically put pressure on each other to be dickheads because uh, <laughs> masculinity, toxic masculinity is a thing. There you is go. <laughs> kind of what 
Todd is saying except he makes excuses for it well this is the thing he is kind of onto something yeah but yeah. just as you say there's no need to actually excuse it though either Todd but it's, yeah. it's a good observation that he's making true but Liz says her results prove the boys really are shallow because way more of them than girls put looks as their number one criterion mm. but um Todd says that, well, you know, how did she know that she didn't fill, they didn't fill them out with their pals in school? And Liz says, look, you have to face the truth. But Todd points out that she's into looks too. Because uh, he's so hot. <laughs> well, he's not wrong. <laughs> she has only gone out with really good looking fellas. <laughs> True. She says Beauty and the Beast was always her favourite fairy tale. <laughs> so later, Jean and Claire meet up and they discuss how nervous they are about their hot dates. And uh, I, again, I cannot believe they haven't mentioned the names of the dates before. Because Claire says dating a football player is a lot different from passing him the ball. Jean freezes. Um, so they're in a shop, by the way, having this conversation, looking at blouses. <laughs> What else? <laughs> so Jean says excitedly, you're kidding. You mean your date is a gladiator? Uh, what a coincidence. So is mine. And Claire says, the guy I'm going out with is one of the gladiator's best players. This is incredible. Jean exclaimed, so is mine. Oh God. Yes, this keeps happening. She's like, uh, yeah. Oh, he's really good looking too. Oh, mine too. And they just keep going on and on like this without actually saying anyone's fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ridiculous. They're in the same school. They know every body this is true <laughs> so Jean is like I'm almost afraid to ask what position he plays and Claire who's still looking at silk blouses says uh, quarterback Jean is stunned and her brain is sort of going hang on there's only two quarterbacks one of them is Scott one of them is Ken can't be Ken he's going out with Terry Adams and the truth is revealed uh oh yeah because Claire kind of wasn't really paying that much attention to what Jean was saying because she was you know, so enraptured with the blouses, obviously. <laughs> but they eventually kind of realise, oh, hang on a second. If we're both going out with a quarterback, then it obviously has to be Scott. So they're kind of like, wait, what's going on here? So, um, yeah, she's kind of like, wait, so you're going out with Scott? I'm like, well, I'm going out with Scott. But then Jean uh, says, he wrote me this incredible romantic letter. And then Claire says, and he left it in your locker, like finishing the sentence. And she's like, wait, oh shit. Mm -mm. So they realise that Scott has... Not only sent them both a letter, but the exact same fucking letter, just with the names changed. So, yes, it's uh, they're both enraged and horrified. And Claire is kind of brilliant. So like, wait till I get my hands on him, that two-timing cheat. And she literally shakes, she gets an OTG, she literally shakes her fist in the, in the air. And then says, and if you want to know the truth, she hissed. He isn't even that great a quarterback either. Oh my God, so good. I love Claire. Yeah, she's the best. <laughs> so she wants to go straight to Scott's house, but Jean checks her. Oh, yeah, Jean. Everything about this plan is fucking stupid. It's so stupid. She should just listen to Claire. That's the, the moral of yes. this book is just listen to Claire. But yeah, so obviously Jean is really embarrassed too that, uh, that this is the way it's worked out. So... Yeah, when, when Claire is like, well, you're coming with me and we're going to give him a piece of our minds. Uh, she kind of says, well, you know, we could go to his house and yell at him uh, and then go home as if nothing has happened. But in school on Monday, he's going to tell all his friends uh, the story. And she's like, you know what? Everyone's going to be laughing at us and not at Scott. So she's like, OK, there must be a way that we can kind of turn this. So she says, look, what? <laughs> I mean, all better... that's true, but their response is just stupid. It is, it is. But this is the thing, because Jean is like, I've got a better idea. And Claire's like, what could be better than punching him in the nose? <laughs> <laughs> He's a joke. 
<laughs> so yeah, Gina's like, no, we'll really get even. Show him the three can play this game. So she says, look, we'll go along with his little charade, see how far he's planning to take it. After all, we have the advantage of surprise. So she says, Scott wouldn't have tried this if he thought we'd find out about each other. And Claire's like, oh, okay, and the strength in numbers. And it's like, at this point, it's like, okay, maybe you could come up with something cool to like absolutely humiliate him in the middle of school in front of everybody. Okay, I was on board at this point. I yeah. Because uh, they shake hands and they're like, trust yes, me, we'll, yes. we'll make Scott trust wish he'd never learned to write. <laughs> yeah. I do like this. It's just yeah. how it goes on. The, just the payoff no is, sense. yeah, the payoff is not satisfying in any shape or and form. <laughs> very easily predictable. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, Claire goes out on her date and next day she calls Jean for a debrief and uh, turns out they had a little, little uh, first part of their plan to sort of freak Scott out was took place on the date so Claire was taken to I guess the box tree cafe but Jean was planted inside the door with a book just and when Scott (laughs) saw her he dragged Claire out the door and off to her pizza place an hour away fucking hell (laughs) apparently the pizza wasn't even and the pizza wasn't even as good as Guido's after all that (laughs) oh well I bet this place didn't have a water feature in a fountain But Jean was surprised by the jealousy she felt at the sight of Scott and Claire together. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the date was a was a dead loss. It was really boring. And basically, Claire says, well, you know, you know, good luck on your date. And if it's anything like mine, I'd advise you to bring a book this time. (laughs) So it's time for Jean's date. And to her mother's surprise, because normally she'd be, you know, like, putting her look together for hours before a date she's just lolling on the couch in her jeans and tea yeah she's very unbothered because uh, when her mom is like wait aren't you going on a date tonight she's like it's after seven o'clock and jean's like that's oh, fine i have plenty of time i'm not meeting him till eight o'clock <laughs> um so she says that uh, she decides that if scott trust wanted to treat her claire as if they were dolls and not real people then she was going to act like a doll a wooden doll so she's not <gasps> going to laugh at his jokes she won't be impressed by his tales of football and she won't even admire his car oh god <laughs> the true nail in the coffin on a sweet valley day <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he could stand on his head for all she cared, apparently. <laughs> so we meet Scott at the restaurant. And I hope this outfit is going to feature. <laughs> it will, don't worry. <laughs> Just two, three words. Crockett and tubs. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, agreed. <laughs> uh, so he looks all nervous. And, but she, and she starts to feel sorry for him. But then has to keep telling herself, this boy is a rat, not a human being. <laughs> That's it, because she's actually late on purpose is the other mm. thing. So she was expecting him to look a bit annoyed, but he actually doesn't. He just looks nervous and she's kind of, so this has kind of caught her off guard, I think, yeah. straight away. So he's all happy to see her, but she sort of remains distant and she's kind of rude and tells herself, be cool, Jean. This mm. is not a person. This is an ego with feet. <laughs> so she mentions the letter, but uh, she it might have been the light of the restaurant, but Jean could have sworn that he actually blushed. Oh, <laughs> oh uh yeah he's all like oh let's not talk about the letter let's have a good time and they do this is it yeah despite herself uh jean actually does enjoy the date and she does kind of fancy him she's sort of surprised by uh by how it's gone because she really was you know trying not to uh to enjoy herself but uh but she did yeah because he's kind of like funny i mean she thinks he's funny Mm. and he does listen to her and he admits that like he actually loves playing football even if he's not the best he genuinely loves it and they goof around on the way home they're playing name that tune and uh 
genuinely quite charming if he hadn't been such an absolute dick and wasn't going to be and also spoiler alert was going to be a dick again <laughs> and when they get to Jean's house Scott gets serious yeah uh, so well this is the thing and she keeps yeah he, he's so kind of sincere with her that it's, yeah. it's it really does throw her um but uh yeah when they get back he's again she's kind of like oh god I, I think I do kind of like him and he just seems so honest and can't really tee it up with the kind of Scott that she's seen I suppose acting up in in the cafeteria yeah. but um he just says look you know I, I want you to know that everything I said in that letter uh he says you know it was a stupid letter really but everything I said in it was true about how much I've always liked you and everything mm. and Gina's like Okay, but she's like, it's almost impossible to believe that he isn't the sincere and honest person he seems, but not quite impossible. What a creep. Oh. Doesn't he have any sense of shame? So she does kind of <laughs> pull herself back as well at the last minute. Yeah. And it does say like the spell was broken. So she gets out of the car like super quickly. <laughs> he finds himself sprawled across her empty seat. <laughs> Um, so when she gets home she rings Claire and tells all but she does make the date sound less fun than it actually was that's the thing she does hold back on saying anything really about how he was kind of winning her over so she doesn't allude to any of that at all and just kind of makes it sound like yeah that he was as boring as Claire found him yeah because it turns out Claire and Scott had nothing to say to each other which absolutely was not the case with him and Jean yeah and uh, Claire thinks that they should confront him straight away and partly because there's a boy she really fancies and she doesn't want this boy to think that she's you know yeah. going out with Scott mm. but Jean wants more revenge again listen to Claire <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah Jean's plan uh, is to this is the each, stupid part this is so stupid she's like oh let's tell our friends all about our wonderful dates so the news will be all over school by lunch on Monday then when we confront him we'll have an audience so they're just going to kind of let it in each of their friend groups come out that each of them have, have been going out with Scott to kind of cause confusion and chaos and I guess ramp up anticipation for some kind of a showdown yes uh, but again that's like, on many levels, that kind of makes them look like saps who will have their feelings hurt. This is like, the thing. There's know. a big hole in this plan that it's also, you know, their acting is so good that it just depends on Scott having the reaction they want him to have. That's the which thing, yeah. He's clearly kind of shameless in many yeah. ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which they should know. So, uh, yeah, they decide that um, they're going to do this and uh, Jean basically sort of pushes Claire into going along by saying, you wouldn't want to miss the seeing the expression on Scott's face uh, when we show up in front of the school. So, yeah, how have they shown him up going on dates with them? I know, it's so stupid. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. So we cut to the Castledale Wakefield where Ned again is in full sitcom mode, which I do kind of like. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a little cutaway scene where it's just Ned and Alice talking, which is, I feel like kind of unusual because there's usually a, a twin or at least Stephen involved. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ned has a puzzled expression on his face when he walks into the living room and Alice is like, oh, something wrong? And Ned's like, no, it's just on my way downstairs. I saw Jessica in her room. It's Saturday night. Jessica hasn't been home on a Saturday night since she discovered dating. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Alice is like, I know, it's hard to believe. She was sitting at her desk surrounded by books. I guess Jessica's finally becoming responsible, Mrs. Wakesfield said. Isn't that nice? <laughs> well, she has become responsible. Responsible for the dream life of <laughs> Most of her class. Oh, God. Yeah, she can't believe it herself that she's mm. sitting in on a Saturday night. So instead of being out, apparently she's slaving away at her interpretations. Oh, my God. And then she falls asleep, but she has another dream. She's <laughs> on the beach again, but instead of Jackson, it's all her classmates are chasing her and looking for dream advice. 
<laughs> that they're running after her, shouting her name, saying, wait, wait, you have to tell us what our dreams mean. So yeah, Jessica's getting overwhelmed with uh, requests for her unpaid advice. <laughs> her expertise. Yeah. Then we are told, in Sweet Valley, the fastest way to spread gossip was to talk to Caroline Pierce. Accurate. <laughs> then we're told, unfortunately, Jean wasn't particularly friendly with Caroline. Also accurate. But Jessica was. She fucking isn't. No, she's not like, I mean, I feel like Jessica kind of looks down on Caroline Pierce, doesn't she? But she kind of bullied her. Remember there was the mm. one where Caroline had to pretend to have a boyfriend. Oh, with the love letters and all that. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Jean calls around to Jessica and uh, Jessica's all weary after her like <laughs> troubled sleep. But she perks up when Jean says that her dream came true and the boy is Scott Trost. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, so this is this is I suppose Jean holding up her end of the stupid plan. Uh so yeah, J- uh, Jessica's shocked. She didn't think he was the romantic type at all. Mm. Well, at the Dairy Burger, Liz, Enid and Maria welcome Claire to the singles table, which Maria calls it, which is very patronizing to poor Enid because Enid's the only one there who's actually single. Oh God, it's very true, actually. Yeah. It's just because, like, oh no, Winston had to work in his car today, and I don't know where Todd is. So I'm like, oh no, our boyfriends aren't are busy, so we're at the singles table. Meanwhile, Eden's like, I'll never know love again. <laughs> Fuck all of you. <laughs> and Elizabeth says, if you ask me to Eden, you and Claire aren't going to be alone for long because she had seen Claire with Danny Porter twice since the three of them had met in the hall the other day. She felt pretty certain that he and Claire would get together in the very near future. And she was confident that Eden too would find the love she deserved. <laughs> this patronizing throwaway. Just an afterthought, pouring it. <laughs> well, Claire says she does have a new guy and he's super handsome. And in another quite mean deep dive, Edith notes or jokes that it's Randy Mason. Oh god, poor old Randy. <laughs> Nerdy old Randy. Oh. <laughs> Claire reveals the truth, and Liz is horrified. Well, of course, yes, because uh, Liz just absolutely has a bone to pick with Scott Trust. So again, this is Claire, you know, it's a version of the truth, I suppose. And yes. yes, they they are technically dating. But uh, but yeah, they're, I suppose her and Jean are, are being very secretive about their actual plan. And it's only each of them that actually knows what's going on here. Yes. So, um yeah, uh, when um, they, I do, I do find it hilarious when Claire and Jean debrief, and we get a full list of how they've spread the news uh, around Sweet Valley, and like so and so told so and so, is a bit like the bit in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where it's like, um, my, you know, friend, sister's boyfriend's girlfriend's sister brother <laughs> heard from this guy knows this kid who saw this girl who saw Ferris pass out twenty one flavors last night. <laughs> goes on for like a page it's quite long yes but there is there is a very certain thread apparently that they can trace yeah. everything back to so uh they've uh, they've managed to spread their story far and wide <laughs> apparently by the time the moon was shining over sweet valley that night <laughs> scott and claire had not just shared a double cheese pizza they'd fallen madly in love <laughs> <laughs> So next day, Liz rants about Claire's terrible taste to Todd, but Todd says that she's being hard on Scott. And then we get to Scott's backstory. And it's quite uh, not much of an excuse, quite no, frankly. This is bullshit. He's like, oh, you're being so hard on him. Uh, and he's like, you don't happen to know who Scott's brother Jack is, do you? And it's like, oh, God, what, did he try tragically or something? And I thought like, he was going to be another dead brother like Claire. 
for fuck's sake like yeah, I guess there's only so many dead brothers to go around in Sweet Valley because uh, <laughs> apparently Scott's brother is the Jack Trost and Todd's <gasps> like oh you may not have heard of him because he's a lot older than we are but he was all American in college I guess it's a football thing a real hero he was all set for a brilliant professional career but had to give up the game because of a knee injury mm. and Liz is like I don't see what this has to do with Scott's arrogance and Todd's like that's what I'm trying to explain I don't think it is arrogance it's the opposite because apparently Ugh, Scott's having to live in Jack's shadow because Jack was this a brilliant student and gifted quarterback uh. where everything came easy to him and uh, Scott's having to like like finding him like a hard act to follow and has to live up to his reputation like none of this is an excuse for the way that Scott carries on and how awful yeah. he is to girls like and especially how awful he is to girls in front of all his mates like all his fucking yes. footballer pals yes like, it's bullshit it's no excuse no one fucking knows his brother as Scott, as Todd just said yeah. he's way older than all of them so who gives a shit how old is he is? I know because he oh. isn't like he's apparently got his computer business startup so um, I mean I don't know but like it's just it's nonsense and it's no excuse like and Liz is right that this has fuck all to do with Scott acting like a prick he just is a prick yes exactly so uh, Liz rightly says that's not a reason that's only an excuse Mm, true so at the lockers, Jessica and Co. discuss Jean's dream coming true and because uh, Lila's now a dream convert. And then Tim and Zach for the football team come up and they've got a question. Yeah, uh, they they want to ask Jessica. They're like, the thing is, we were wondering if you'd heard about Scott and Jean. Uh, and they exchange a look of amusement and Jessica's like, oh, heard about them? She's like, I'm the one who brought them together. And Tim is like, to Zach, he's like, you see, I told you you heard wrong. Then Zach shakes his head. He's like, no, I didn't hear wrong. Ken Matthews told me. He doesn't repeat anything he's not sure of because he's a good boy. But <laughs> 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 he, um, he and Terry are good friends with Claire, which at least is accurate. Um, and says, look, I think they'd know if she was going out with someone or not. So then Jessica, this is the first, obviously, that Jessica has heard of the Claire side of things. So she's like, what is... Claire got to do with any of it um, yeah. so it's kind of starting people are starting to kind of put together that there's been two versions yeah. of the story going around school all day and, and uh, again this doesn't make the girls look like cool you know no. tricksters it makes them look like saps <laughs> this is it it looks like they're being played and now yes. everyone is like oh it's so confusing but like these two girls are being played like what's how does this make anybody look good other than Scott so um, at lunchtime Jean enters the cafeteria from one side and the cheerleaders and Lila who's like an honorary cheerleader in this book uh, approach her and it's like you've got to confront Claire because Claire's walked in the other side where of course Liz finds her and poor Claire's (laughs) trying to get food but Liz just won't let her Oh, God. Like, she's surrounded by well-meaning friends, apparently. And, uh, yeah, Liz is like, I've got to talk to you. Claire's like, can I get my lunch first? But then, um, yeah, Liz is like, I should have I should have known something like this would happen. It's too important. We have to discuss it right now. But she's like, I don't know if you've heard the rumours. Jean's been telling everyone that she's going out with Scott. And then Claire's Uh-oh. like, oh, I did hear something. And they're really confused, of course. They're like, something? It's all over the school. Um <gasps> So Liz is like, you've got to talk to Scott before this goes any further. And Ian is like, I think you should talk to Jean as well. After all, she's as much a victim in this thing as you are. He's taking advantage of both of you. Which, yes, Enid, that's just how this looks now to everybody. Yes. So like, how this was ever even faintly a good plan, I don't know. But um, yeah, they eventually then, it's all kind of building up to this big like standoff because then I think Scott walks in from some he other does. door. I don't know how many, how many doors oh, are well, How many doors are, yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least three. Really, yeah. 
And Winston says, gunfight at the Sweet Valley Corral. Yeah, that's very much the vibe, isn't it? So Scott looks only delighted to be the centre of attention and Gene can't wipe the smile off his smug face. And somehow they think the best way to do it is to go over and sort of whine and yell, I thought I was your girlfriend. Like, that doesn't make you look cool, Gene. That makes you look like you've been dicked around by an arsehole. Like, I feel sorry for you, but it's not a cool revenge plan. It really isn't. Like, they both just come out of this really badly. So yeah, as you say, her and Claire just start kind of shouting and going, oh, you told me I was the one you liked. And like Scott looks from one girl to the other and apparently total silence falls around them in the uh, in the cafeteria. Jean's like, this is perfect. Like, how is this perfect? You both look yeah. like assholes. <laughs> and also, she had gone over this moment many times. She knew exactly what would happen next. Scott would become embarrassed and then he would apologise. Why do you think this would happen? People would start to laugh at him again. Why? In the end, he would run from the cafeteria and then she and Claire would brace each other victoriously. Why on every single thing you know about him would you think this would happen? Because then Scott does exactly what you would think if you were sane. If you paid attention to anything that he did in school in front of other people. uh, Yeah. yeah. So he goes, he interrupts her thoughts. He goes, hey, ladies, he said, smooth as ice. Don't yell at me. And Jean's like, wait, what? He's not embarrassed. He's not apologizing. He seems to be enjoying himself. So then he goes, if you ask me, anything worth having is worth fighting for, right? Um, so Jean is completely on the back foot now. She's just like, oh, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and uh, Liz gives Claire a shove and she's like, don't let him talk to you like that. Yeah. But before either of them say anything, Scott's like, I've got an idea. And he's saying all this really like coolly. He just, oh, he's the fucking worst. Ah. Um, he says, how about a little competition? Uh, he says, yeah, if you, uh, if each of you wants to be my girlfriend so badly, then why don't you each try to win me? Win I'll me? Go- I'll go out with one of you one night and the other one the next night. Then I'll decide who I like best and take her to the dance. So both girls freeze. (sighs) And you see, even if they just went fuck off then, they'd still look like girls who've been dicked around by Scott, which is not any sort of revenge. Um, But uh, she decides there might be a way for them to really even the score with this conceited chauvinist. This plan does not even the score. She says, you're on, and turns to Claire and says, you better start worrying, Claire Middleton. This is one competition you're not going to win. Like, what the fuck? Now you just look desperate and like you're actually willing to go along with this fucking offensive, ridiculous fucking challenge. It's like the the best way out of this, because it has backfired so badly, was for them to just laugh in his face and walk off together. Like that's that's, the best case. And that's the best case scenario. And even then you still look like two girls who have been dicked around by this guy. So it's not even ideal. But like That's exactly what you should have done before he did all his ladies for an Oh my god. uh, Why? (laughs) Instead of going, why won't you go? I thought I was your girlfriend. They should just both be like throwing ice cream or jelly or something at him. Like they just need to be throwing things at him is really the I I wanted from this. Spoiler alert, that does happen later. (laughs) Kind of amateurishly. It's more of a sort of a flailing around. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Todd missed all this drama. And when Liz tells him about him, he says, uh, she says it proves her point about shallow boys. And Todd is like, okay, Scott is a super creep. But Claire and Jean went along with all this. Liz is like, oh yeah, I suppose they did. I don't know why. (laughs) So... Outside uh, the cafeteria, late, or outside school later, Jessica and co. agree that Jean can hold her own. And actually, Lila approves of the competition. And Amy <laughs> agrees. 
Yeah, it's just like, there's nothing wrong with a little competition. That's what life's all about, isn't it? Competition. (laughs) (laughs) And Amy, this message is so appalling. Amy says competition is what being popular is all about. I mean, let's be realistic. We had to compete to become cheerleaders. We had to compete to join Pi Beta Alpha. And psychotic Jessica says, if you think about it, when someone asks you out, it means you've won a competition with all the other girls you could have asked out. Like, that is the worst possible message you could give to like 12 year olds like also them like people having to compete to become cheerleaders and to join pi beta alpha were also two of the most fucking harrowing storylines of this entire series so far of all the examples to pull out it's like yeah but really think about what you've just said there amy and like i know she technically wasn't even there for that but like just for those to be the two particular examples are like yeah people almost died because of these things yeah Oh, God. Well, that's a lesson they'll never learn. Well, look. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they're sure Jean will win and they laugh at the idea of Scott and Claire together, like trying to kiss in their gladiator helmets and uh, say, there's no way Claire can win over one of us. Uh, and they wonder where Claire is. Turns out she's yucking it up with Claire in the bathroom, or Jean is, and she's yucking it up with Claire in the bathroom. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, this was kind of endearing, I suppose, yes. the fact that everyone's kind of drawing battle lines, whereas the two of them are just having a big giggle together. Um, I just wish that they had a better plan than this, because it's terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jean is like, oh, I'm so glad you figured out what I was up to. I was so glad you followed my lead. Um, and Claire was like, oh, God, and I had Liz right behind me telling him to, telling me to stand up to him. Um, so for some reason, they're going to go on the dates and then this is going to like show him up even further somehow ow, because now they're ow. having to spend time with him like none of this makes sense <laughs> oh. yeah so they have two rules for the dates one is that um there'll be no kissing <laughs> and another they're going to force scott to make his decision publicly the day before the dance because this is their big revenge that they'll turn him down yeah. in public which still they've gone on dates with them and allowed themselves to be humiliated already. So this, yeah, stupid oh, plan. It's really not good. Yeah. <laughs> but Jean can't stop thinking about Scott and eventually dreams that the whole three, there are three of them are on a date <laughs> and uh, Todd is, or Todd, Scott has, <laughs> has got a notebook where he's like, score, you know, giving each of the girls points on various categories yeah, he's got like two columns in his uh, notebook. There's like one headed Jean and one called one headed Claire. And like there's all these categories he's kind of ticking off as they go through the dates. There's like promptness, dress, hair, personality, mood. The list seems to go on forever. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of a real awkward dream, obviously, that she has where like Claire wins some points and then she wins some points. And oh, God, like she doesn't like popcorn when they go on the date. And he's like, oh, you can't expect me to give a high score to a girl who doesn't like popcorn, can you? And Jean's like, oh, yeah. this isn't fair. But she, thank God, is eventually woken up. Yes, crying. <laughs> this isn't fair. This isn't fair. <laughs> uh, so she's woken up yeah, by Claire calling to tell her that they, she went to the date and it was super boring. Yeah. So the next day, Jean's pals fuss about her and her date and we're reminded in a bit of continuity from um, from her last uh, starring role that she always looks perfectly put together, which I remember was a thing when old Sandy Bacon was trying to sabotage her. <laughs> That's the thing, yeah, because Jean is like very pretty and very fashionable apparently and has a very uh, particular style or something, yeah, hmm. but that she's always very, as you say, well put together. Her clothes are always immaculate apparently. So uh-huh. yeah, she's there. Uh, very tidy dresser, I suppose. I don't know. Not like Apparently, the rest of the scruff bags are covered in stains. It's all covered in ketchup. 
<laughs> well, they are the dairy burger pretty much every day. So they probably are. True. So, um, they uh, they agree that uh, when that Jess, Jean shouldn't kiss Scott when he's seeing Claire. Uh, by the way, Amy says he's a bad kisser anyway. <laughs> and uh, Jessica says, yes, once Jackson and I started dating, <laughs> I know it would drive me nuts if I thought he was kissing someone else. And the rest of them were just like, okay. And also remember <laughs> how pre-Jackson, she was uh, quite the player. Well, there you go, Yeah. <laughs> But then Lila gives some advice, and oh, Lila! Oh no, I know. And uh, God, you know, you know, we love Lila, but you know, she's our diva. She is our diva, but we do also know that she quite frequently lets us down horrifically badly. Um, and this is one of those times because she decides uh, she's like, "Oh, would you like a little free advice, Jean?" Uh, and Jean is like, "Oh God, the last thing I need is advice from Lila." But apparently, she's too polite to say so. So Lila's like, "Well, I think there are two rules you should follow if you want to beat Claire." So she's like, "One." Always let him choose where you're going. Uh, and Jessica's like, wait, what if he wants to do something Jean doesn't want to do? Um, Lila's like, no, if it's something you can't do, then you watch him do it. Um, yeah. Like, just, Lila, what is this? <laughs> and, um, yeah, the, the girls, in fairness, are kind of like, Lila, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's like, no, the idea is to beat Claire, not to have a good time. <laughs> uh, I like Kara's response there because Karen gives Gina a wink and says, don't you forget that either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. And uh, apparently, the second rule is if you do something like play miniature golf. Oh. Uh, <laughs> You should always let him win, which is met by a chorus of groans, which is something at least. My God. It is. But, Seems um, quite out of character with some of those bitches because I, I can imagine Jessica. Uh, oh, no, actually not Jessica because Bruce White tried to beat her. At, like she she beat Bruce at tennis, if hmm, I remember correctly. That's true. Amy, yes. This is the thing. And even Amy is actually arguing against it and saying yeah. it's old fashioned and she can't be serious. Um, but Lila's like, no, I'm absolutely serious. If Jean wants to impress him, she has to let him take charge mm. and she has to make sure that he looks good. She can't show him up by being better at things than he is. A boy doesn't want to have to compete with his date. <laughs> oh. Well, Jessica says she knows better. And the others point out that, OK, maybe she knows about boys, but she doesn't know better about dreams because it turns out a lot of her predictions, because I guess... <laughs> Her dreams, she hasn't been going for dream interpretation as sort of like Jungian in, in like analysis. She's not saying, okay, <laughs> this dream says something about you. Basically, all her things are, her dreams are psychic. Yes, they're all predictions. Uh, yeah. And obviously, she got some obvious things right that like, yes, of course, Lila's dad was going to buy her a fancy bracelet she wanted. I mean, that wasn't exactly uh, a stunning revelation. But um, apparently, yeah, now things aren't uh, quite working out. So apparently she was wrong about Robin taking a trip, wrong about Andrea Slade getting a new car. Uh, and apparently she had told Cara that she was going to be on television. Um, and yeah, they're just bombarding her now with things that uh, that haven't happened. So Jessica's <laughs> like, all right, all right. Uh, I thought we were supposed to be helping Jean prepare for her date, not criticizing me. <laughs> um, so um, meanwhile, Liz and Penny are impressed by the response to um, Liz's column and about shallow boys on the survey <laughs> and one letter is so good that Penny wants to want it as a standalone piece yeah it's an anonymous letter I believe uh, mm. and uh, yeah the letter was neatly typed and headed is it true that boys see better than they think 
Uh, and Penny kind of reads a piece of it and says, you know, uh, what is it? Many girls think that boys seem to prefer beauty to brains. But is this really true? Of course, if you ask a guy what it is that first gets him interested in a girl, he'll say it's her looks. But if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that we're all interested in how people look. How could we not be? Uh, so he kind of goes on about how it's the first thing you'd notice. Um, but like uh, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. Not only that, everybody knows that mm. what we see is never the whole picture. Um, God, she reads loads of it. But like, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of just making the point that uh, it might start with looks, but it's only after you get to know somebody that you might really be attracted to them then. Um, yeah. Because yeah, if, if, if yeah, how they look, uh, you can find out if you're really interested in them or not because of the type of person they are. Yeah, he, it's, it's a letter that's making some good points. Yes. Uh, though, I mean, it is true that obviously people are attracted to people randomly that they you know, might hmm. see in a dairy burger, for example. <laughs> though it has to be said, we've all had people grow on us. We don't fancy them straight away. Well, this is the like, thing. Yeah, it's when you get to know somebody and then it's like suddenly you're like, oh, shit, they are really hot now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so um, it's but again, like. We, we, I mean, who among us has not just fancied somebody based on their looks? Hmm. And um, I mean, I fancied my husband because I just used to see him in the college library. And... <laughs> well, that worked out well. <laughs> Didn't even know what his name was. Oh, um, used to call him Sandman because he had Sandman comics on his desk. <laughs> Me and my friends had names for so many boys around college, like the Trinity Arts fuck in the nineties. Who who needs normal people when you have a hormonal pit? Oh god! In the Lecky Library in nineteen ninety five. Though we did not go out together until like five or six years later, we had both gone out with other people in the meantime. So uh, I guess both Liz and the anonymous letter writer who could it be are right. Well, there you go. (laughs) Points were made. (laughs) So uh, Liz is wondering if she should really have been so adamant. And also there were plenty of girls responded to the survey who were only interested in boys because they were cute or super jocks. Mm. (laughs) So um, Penny suggests, yeah, that they run this letter with a response from Liz and they can use the pick of her and Todd that Claire took. But Liz admits that she and Todd haven't had a fight, but we haven't exactly not had a fight either. So she doesn't know if they should be the poster children for romance. (laughs) Yes. So Scott arrives to pick up Jean for her date and she can't believe how human he looks. And then he's (laughs) lovely to her mother. Talking to her about shrubs. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, he really charms her mum completely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, she's delighted with him. Uh, or Jean's mother is delighted with him. Mm. And when Jean, when they, they head off, he asks what she wants to do because somehow they haven't made any plans. And she suggests miniature golf because who could have given her an idea? <laughs> Well, she'd been talking to Ken Matthews that afternoon. (laughs) And apparently he had made a joke about not blowing the contest uh, by making Scott play miniature golf because apparently he's terrible at it. Uh, Also, there's been so much miniature golf lately in the world of Sweet Honey. (laughs) Oh my God. That's gas. But uh, yeah, so she suggests that kind of thinking this is going to like throw Spanner in the works now and he's going to hate it. Um, but to her surprise, uh, Scott doesn't argue or suggest an alternative. So he's like, yeah, if that's what you want to do, that's what we'll do. And he says, look, I'm warning you right now. The last time I played, I spent 20 minutes at the windmill and I never got through it. Um, so they do go do this. And again, he is terrible. But um, she's kind of 
Yeah, she she kind of doesn't expect him to take it as well as he does. Oh, he's quite charming. He's very self-deprecating and not in an Enid way by like, well, I guess I am. Don't, don't mind me. I guess I'm just the worst <laughs> player in the world. <laughs> um, he's actually yeah. funny about it. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah, so they actually do have more fun than she meant to again and uh, he is kind of winning her over again Mm -hmm. bit by bit and she kind of forgets herself quite a bit and is you know joking back with him after all her talk about how she was you know wasn't going to laugh at his jokes and wasn't going to give him anything back but um yeah they are having a really nice time and they go for pizza afterwards and he mentions that he had a lot of fun uh losing the game and she's again surprised she's like really you enjoyed yourself because again she was taking lila's terrible advice and trying to well she was doing the opposite of that, I suppose, by picking something yeah. he was going to be bad at. So yeah, but again, it's actually worked out well for the date overall because they both enjoyed themselves and yeah. he has been charming about it. So yeah, it's it's not really going to plan. <laughs> no, they, he, they even compromise on pizza. I think that was the... <laughs> um, they get mushroom pizza. This does become relevant later on. So um, yeah, they Scott puts his hand on hers when they're having their their pizza, but then she pulls away, and uh, she sort of breaks the spell herself and says, "You better hurry up! You've got a breakfast date with Claire, don't you? I wouldn't want you to be too tired for that." And Scott sort of looks serious and miserable and says, "Look, I need you know about this thing with Claire. I, I'd like to try to explain, but Gina's like, I gotta go to the loo." Yeah, he obviously was trying to tell her something quite seriously here, but she's just, yeah, she's like, don't want to hear it, and just kind of runs off uh, and is delighted that he looks miserable (laughs) at the table as she's leaving. And it's like, okay, well, that's something at least. (laughs) Hmm. Some sort of revenge plan, even if it's accidental and kind of confused. (laughs) So meanwhile, at the Casa del Wakefield, Liz finds a grumpy Jessica in her room because her business is a failure. And not only that, she's lost money. (laughs) paying for the flyers this is the thing because like even with all the demand she was getting for her dreams she still wasn't charging anybody so I don't know how she's managed to mess it up this badly but uh, yeah so she's really um, really depressed now about the whole thing she's like I don't think you understand what this means and Liz is like you've just wasted a few days it's fine she's like no it means I'm going to wind up an old mage because I'm never going to get to Hawaii to find the man of my dreams (laughs) it's very entertaining how seriously she takes this absolutely deluded preposterous madness it's just yeah it's oh god this fucking dream thing is so silly (laughs) well the next morning Jean is waiting for Claire to arrive at school fresh from her breakfast date with Scott but Claire arrives really late um, uh, because she's had to get the bus on her own and why uh, yeah, she's like, what happened to the Corvette? And Claire's like, oh, the Corvette's at the animal clinic with Scott. Jean's like, what? What are you talking about? So Claire says that apparently on the way back from breakfast, they found an injured dog on the side of the road and Scott insisted on taking it to a vet. So Jean's like, well, that was a nice thing to do. And she's like, why was he always doing things to show her he wasn't a monster? <laughs> I have to say, Claire doesn't come out brilliantly. I know, and I hate that. <laughs> Um, Claire's like look I know it was a nice thing to do but we've got a Spanish quiz first period and she's like and it wasn't as if the dog was dying or anything he'd hurt his paw we could have called the number on the dog's tag and had his owners come and get him but no macho man has a thing about dogs and wouldn't leave it there by itself which like oh Claire I love you but come on stop being so mean about this dog and also you know there's like a trope in uh, in script writing that if you want to get ca- the audience to like of character who's kind of a dick mm. you make them 
they they call it sometimes save the cat or save the dog. <laughs> you okay. make them save an animal oh. or help an animal because it makes people go, oh, but they saved that kitten who was stuck in a tree. They're oh. not a total monster. Oh. And it works. It fucking works. Do they secretly have a heart of gold? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, yes. <laughs> not always. <laughs> So Claire or Jean thinks how Scott risked his grade average, which is important because, you know, he's, he had that to get it up to get sick of the team by, to help him, a yeah. little pup. Can <laughs> he really be a baddie? So Jessica also has academic woes because her project is due and she's done no work. And we're told <laughs> that the mock travel brochure was meant to illustrate the skills she had learned in the class's work <laughs> on media and communications. As my notes say, come on, Mr. Collins. <laughs> Like, I feel like we may have had, like, like talked about media and communications and maybe like, I do remember in English class in school, like writing like a radio ad for something, but that was literally like one class and a bit yeah. of homework. It wasn't like a whole fucking major project that was like leading up to this after weeks and weeks, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, that's the thing. This is like their big, you know, instead of it being about, I don't know, like they, they were doing some pretty highbrow stuff in this English mm. class. Um, and uh, now they're doing fake travel brochures. <laughs> also, I don't the, know. I would have thought that would be in media studies as well. Because like, mm. it's like a, a brochure. It's like a commercial thing. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Let's not dwell too much on the Sweet Valley syllabus. <laughs> it never gets us anywhere. <laughs> Good point. So while Jessica's bemoaning her own woes, she sees Steve Anderson and she realises that she's been so concerned with Jackson and that she still doesn't have a date for the Love in Bloom dance. And there is a great moment where Steve Anderson says, oh, something like, oh, hi, I was hoping to find you. And she runs towards him, but he was talking to someone behind her. No. <laughs> Love and bloom, Jessica muttered to herself. You're right, there's a lot of muttering in this one. Yeah. But then she thinks it's more like ragweed and bloom. Oh, and then she literally stomps off. <laughs> Just stomping her little feet. Wasn't she stomping around in a circle in her room recently? <laughs> yes, she was. You're right. <laughs> I don't know, stomp this one. Why, why is that mental image so funny? I don't know. Just doing like, stomping away. I'm so mad. <laughs> so uh, Liz asks Todd if he's okay with about their photo being in the Oracle, and he asks more about her uh, the the letter that appeared, the anonymous mm. letter, and suggests she write a reply to it. And she's not sure if she will, but she does admit that the author wasn't totally wrong. So at lunch, she finds Claire and asks her why she's going along with Scott's competition, and Claire surprises her. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, yeah, Claire, for some reason, she's like, oh, can you keep a secret? It's like, no, she fucking can't. Oh, my um, God. She's like, so she lets her in on the truth and says, look, Jean and I knew all about Scott's game practically right from the start. So as they're walking along, uh, Claire tells Liz about the identical letters and the plan that she and Jean have come up with to teach Scott <laughs> a lesson, which... No, you're not. You're not you're teaching him anything. Not. You're making fools of yourselves. But anyway, Liz is relieved uh, to hear all this because she was just like, God, I, I don't know which makes me happier. The thought that you and Jean aren't really being used or the thought that Scott is. <laughs> <laughs> really being used for but anyway. No. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, because Clara says she's worried that she's put off the boy that she really likes. Mm. And then J- Liz sees Danny approach and is struck by inspiration. 
yeah, she thinks maybe she should get in on these love games too. Even though after the love bet, wasn't that a whole thing where she was like, nope, I'm not getting myself involved in people's relationships and matchmaking anymore. But look, no one ever learns a lesson. So here we go. She quite loudly uh, waits until, she waits until Danny is close enough to hear and then loudly says, well, I'm really glad to hear you're not interested in Scott after all. Um, And Danny like stops in his tracks and she's like, you're not, are you Claire? So then Claire's like, well, no, I just told you and then Liz kind of dashes off and makes a big production of it so kind of leaving Claire and Danny together who then are deep in conversation apparently when she looks back yes but like but also she's also blown open the whole fucking secret that Claire had just told her to keep pretty much so (laughs) (laughs) and to one of Scott's teammates yeah (laughs) I would he clearly doesn't like Scott very much well that's true that's a point in Danny's favour for sure so I'm guessing that Claire will reveal the truth to him or I hope so (laughs) yeah so later, Scott is taking Jean out for their super romantic date and she spent the whole day confused. She thinks it was his fault. Why couldn't he pick a ba- way to behave and then stick to it instead of laughing at himself and rescuing injured dogs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the magic formula, all right, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> for real. <laughs> <laughs> so she asks him about his day and expects like a little reminder of what a dick he is by, you know, he'll thinks he'll talk about Claire but instead Scott talked about the dog how sad it had looked sitting by the roadside how much pain it had been in oh fuck you Claire seriously oh god <laughs> you I know just want, like, but, then, but then also is Scott also just milking this to impress Jean is the other mm, thing so possibly. you know the truth is probably somewhere in the middle mm. but also Claire still doesn't come out very well <laughs> <laughs> she's my mean girlfriend <laughs> 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 I should have left a dog all sad and in pain. Scott had held it while the vet set its paw. God. <laughs> then, in fairness, he also makes himself seem likable because she because Jean says, "Well, didn't you have a Spanish quiz this morning?" And he goes, oh, "Adios, amigo," and laughs. Uh, then he says, "Luckily, I explained everything to Mrs. Ray, and she's going to let me make it up tomorrow afternoon." And he's relieved because he says his parents wouldn't have been as understanding as Mrs. Ray because they don't think anything is more important than getting ahead. They would doubtless have left a dog to die at the side of the road. <laughs> they would have like for Claire. I mean, it needed its paw set, so it must have broken a limb. Oh, yeah, poor dog. So before Jean can uh, ask any more, uh, they arrive at their date, and it's another deep dive. It's the fucking coat door, which is ah. wasn't this the infamous scene of Nicholas Morrow <laughs> and Liz and getting rumbled by Todd. It um, was. It had the the, this the, is the birds jo- and dogs. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> fucking ridiculous restaurant. <laughs> Well, it is the fanciest rest- French place around. Oh, oh la God. la. Fanciest place that smells of bird poo. Oh, yeah, good boy. Can you imagine? <laughs> Jesus. A lot of guano going on there. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's the site of their um, of their date. And it's all very romantic. And when they're seated, Scott apologizes for the way he just treated her and Claire. And he says he knows he's been a dick, but... Uh, says you gotta believe me when I say I wish I'd only I'd sent only one letter that I'd sent to you and Gina's charmed but then she thinks who she remembers whose deep blue eyes she was staring into the eyes of Toad Trust the tr- the two timer <laughs> yes exactly um oh god but yeah she does remind him then uh, and says uh, you didn't write only one letter though did you uh-huh. Uh, and he's like, oh, Jean, I'm trying to apologize, which he says. But also he has actually really said sorry, has he? 
no, he has not. He hasn't said the words, I'm sorry. Uh, mm. But, you know, there you go. Mm. Uh, so she kind of turns a bit frosty on him again. But she is really flip-flopping back and forth between being charmed and reminding herself of what he's really like. Yes. Or at least what he's really like in school with everybody. I don't know. I hate yeah. him either way. So, you know, yes. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, Jessica is back at the casa digging through all her shite, looking for project notes such as they are, because she said she had she had started it after reading a she started writing her her brochure about Mexico uh, because she'd read an article on it in a magazine and she's trying to find the magazine. And uh, yeah, we're told the reason she chose Mexico was because uh, she had a good idea of what the food was like. And Sandy's boyfriend, Manuel Lopez, would always help her out with the first-hand details. He owes you nothing, Jessica. Fucking hell. Why are you just ringing him up some evening and bombarding him with questions about being Mexican? Like, fuck off. Exactly the sort of thing you can imagine you're doing, though. Yes, absolutely. Why don't you immerse yourself in Sweet Bonnie's famous, vibrant Mexican community? It's a thriving scene, don't you know? And it's one member. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah, she finds the magazine and then she realises, oh, yeah, that was where she read the article on um, dreams that sparked mm. off her expertise. Yes. And then she has a little surprise. She does. She turns a few more pages of the magazine and sees a photograph of Maui. She's Uh-oh. like, oh, it's a full colour photograph of a beach on Maui. And she's like, oh, this beach is really familiar. Like, there's palm trees and the sand is black. And she's like, oh, wait, did I see this photograph and then dream about it? And she's like, oh, it's just a coincidence, whatever. Turns a few more pages <laughs> and then finds a sportswear ad with a face that was more than familiar, darkly handsome, smiling and wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And she realises she's looking into the soft brown eyes of the boy of her dreams. And underneath him ran the <laughs> caption, Jackson's Funtime Fashions. They go wherever you go. <laughs> What a branding. My goodness. Yeah, so it turns out uh, all her dreams were based on a few pages from a magazine and she just forgot that she'd seen all these things already. (laughs) And she still doesn't have a date for the dance. Oh, no. (laughs) So uh, next day, the twins head to school and Liz is very amused by Jessica's revelation. And uh, she's even amused when Jessica reveals there's a silver lining. She did so much reading on Hawaii when she was planning her trip there. She doesn't have to do much more research for her English project. Yeah, so she basically has her fancy fake brochure already written with all her Hawaii research. So so Jessica bounces back every time. Yes, and Liz is kind of impressed. And in fairness, she wasn't so evil in this app uh, or this book. So I don't really mind. Well, this is the thing. Yeah, this is this is fine. I'm fine yeah. with this. <laughs> this is the Jessica I can tolerate and not want to throw in a bin. Absolutely. Yes, no bin for her this time. No. So, uh, yeah, Liz mentions the tension between her and Todd. And Jessica says she wishes she herself had entered Scott's contest because she might have a date. <laughs> God. Speaking of Scott's contest, Claire and Jean are having a debrief and Claire can't wait for her last date with Scott to be over. How many dates do they have to go on with this fucker? I thought it was like one date each at the start, but then it just kept going. It's at least two post-contest revelation. Pain in the ass. So, yeah, she says like, oh God, I only have two more hours of trying to think of things to say to him that I'm free. And Jean is like, (laughs) oh yes, I know what you mean. But she doesn't know what Claire meant at all. Oh my God. (laughs) That's it. So Jean is actually having to lie and saying, oh, it hasn't been any fun at all. She lied, thinking back to when they played miniature golf, (laughs) when they went for pizza. Uh, And yeah, all the like fancy dates and stuff. And Claire is just like, God, I can't wait for this whole ridiculous thing to be over with. And I can go back to my real life and the boy I actually like. 
Um, mm. So she kind of, yeah, she kind of gets a bit of a hop from this because she's yeah. like her real life, the boy she really liked. And Jean kind of realizes that dating Scott is her real life and that being with him is something that's now become important to Jean kind of without meaning for that to be the case. And she does look forward to seeing him now. So she's like, oh, no. And she like, can hear his laughter and see his grin. And she's like, oh, shit. Turns out Scott Trust is the boy that she really likes. <gasps> Disaster. <laughs> so meanwhile, Liz is waiting for Todd and she rereads the letter from uh, the anonymous correspondent who signed himself, not blind and not stupid. <sighs> but something about the letter is familiar. She realizes the distinctive patterns of Todd's typewriter. Oh my goodness. Yes, apparently uh, she realises it because her own typewriter has a slightly raised oar and in this one the A's are a bit lopsided so she eventually figures out that she has seen this little blip before in uh, in Todd's homework uh, assignments and letters and what have you. So uh, she eventually figures it out and she's like, oh my God, Todd, you tried to trick me. Um, and he's like, oh, I really had you fooled and it's just them being fucking annoying. I think at this stage I just wrote down, just fucking kidnap each other again and be done with it. <laughs> Save us from all of this. <laughs> well, he thought that she'd know it was him straight away. God said it was the only way she could admit, uh, he could get her to admit she was wrong. She's like, I wasn't wrong. He goes off to write her reply. <sighs> so later, Sandy is over in Jean's house and Jean's mind is in a whirl. Like, she doesn't know what is go you know what's going on in her heart maybe claire really likes scott too but sandy says look you don't have to go ahead with this contest if you don't want to you can let's go scott go by himself and what should jean say oh uh yeah she oh no wait has she told her that it's all a, a no scam? That, that's when she reveals all oh okay yes um yeah sorry i'm slightly lost on this bit now <laughs> Well, basically, there's a lot of just blabbering on about, you know, Sandy yeah, being a Jean's house and Jean's mind being in a whirl and it just goes through all the possibilities and it's just, it, it's quite tedious. Your heart's yeah, just dim. That's what it is. I'm stuck in a tedious bit and I can't find the bit you mean. Well, she basically reveals all to Sandy and her mind is cleared, she thinks, and she tells herself that Scott is a toad. But later on, when Scott is basically kidnapping her. <laughs> well, that's right, because it just opens with, aren't you going to tell me where we're going? <laughs> well, she's not wearing a, bl- she's not blindfolded with a pair of magenta tights. Well, Thank goodness, you know, she's just got her eyes go. closed. <laughs> that's, that's good, at least. Things are looking up somewhat for the girls in this town. <laughs> Low bar, as ever. God, truly. Yeah, so he takes her to a beautiful starlit beach, which is apparently a huge revelation in this town where there are loads of beaches and they go to them all the time. All they do is go to the beach. How is this anything? It's like, oh, look, it's the sky. Like, fuck off, Scott. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Well, um, they have a romantic walk and he says, it's always been you, Jean, right from the start. And they kiss. Yeah, I still hate it. He hasn't even, redeemed himself, like even really with the hasn't. dog. Not at all. Even with the dog. Because yeah, Jean is just oh, she's fully smitten and she's like, she'd never been kissed like this before. Uh when she kissed him back, Jean wasn't pretending at all. And like it's meant to be like, oh Jean, but no, Jean, no. <laughs> he still has never defended her in public. like he's still been a dick no, in public every single is. time. Yeah. So the next day she meets Claire and the big, the big reveal is going to happen at lunch but Jean really doesn't know what to do and um, Jean runs off when she sees the cheerleaders approach and Lila approach Jean 
Um, and Sandy urges Jean to tell them the truth. And she does. And the gang can't wait to see Scott taught a lesson. But Jean just isn't, you know, her heart's not in this revenge plan now. That's the thing. Yeah, she really is just, she's just kind of miserable now because she just doesn't know what to do. And it's it's quite the, the conflict she's got going on. And I suppose, mm. yeah, even though they, they now know that this was all a plan, like nobody else still knows that she actually really does like it. No, him. yes. Until... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because she meets Liz, who's all winking and like, oh, 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 no, plan. oh, you must be so excited about, you know, ending this charade. And, and poor old Jean. Oh, I mean, she was only ever going to confess all to Liz, of really, course. wasn't she? I mean, there's no one else. It doesn't hell. matter how many actual proper best friends she has that have been previously established. Uh, it's only Liz. So, yeah, she uh, she comes clean fully to Liz through tears and is like, I've made such a mess of everything. I don't know what to do. So uh, I think Liz, like, pulls her into an empty classroom. And, uh, yeah, she's just like oh, you know, I don't want to get revenge anymore and I've actually fallen in love with Scott. So Liz is just like, did I hear you right? She asked as yeah. gently as she could. <laughs> did you say you're in love with Scott? You can just imagine Liz being like, oh, gross. <laughs> but yeah, she, uh, her eyes are sparkling with tears and she's like, look, I don't know how it happened. I was so mad at him uh, and he was so arrogant in the cafeteria. I don't think I've ever disliked someone so much in my life. Uh, dissolves into tears again. <laughs> and she's just like, oh no. So um, Liz is like, well, you know, something must have happened. Uh, to make you go from total dislike to love but like yeah. you know so he's not my favorite person but Todd thinks he's okay and now if you like him like maybe he's actually not as bad as yeah. he's led everyone to believe but yeah Jean is just so mixed up she just doesn't know what to do at all yeah so um it's supposedly you know deep uh zero hour at lunch mm-hmm. she finds uh, she finds Claire and she tries to pull Claire out of the cafeteria because she's like wants to tell her all as advised by Liz but it's too late all eyes are on them then (laughs) Scott enters it's showdown time oh my god (laughs) certainly is oh god Um, for a second Todd's eyes or Scott's eyes are on Jean a soft smile on his lips but then he sees the you know takes in the crowd and his demeanor changes and this is the moment where scott just makes himself irredeemable oh completely like when he sees that everyone's watching he like he raises his head stood up taller started striding toward the center of the room oh fuck off um, I'm and like claire kind of like she takes jean's hand i think and she's like come on this is it let's let's do this thing if we can get this over with um so they kind of it's this whole proper showdown where they like cross the room <laughs> over to where he is <laughs> and um like jean is like she knew scott was watching them smiling like a game show host but she kept her eyes on a point above his head uh... and like it's so cringe like it's uh... They come, they come to a stop a few feet from where Scott had casually seated himself on top of a table like he's a fucking king and they're now like walking oh up to him it's God. awful it's so bad and Winston's like so Prince Charming which of these fair damsels is it to be and there's all this laughter um, and Jean is like oh my God just call this thing off before things go any further but it's like I think things have gone possibly as far as they can right now but she uh, <sighs> she kind of clears her throat to, to try and say whatever it is she's going to say but like Doing it like this would just be absolutely mortifying because he's such a piece of shit in front of everybody, which is the whole yeah. thing. And uh, but before she can say anything, 
uh, a strong, confident voice uh, takes over. And it's Scott saying, this has been a very difficult choice to make. But it's like, it's not the voice she'd become used to over the past week that had made her laugh and whispered to her. And this is Scott gone back, like predictably to yes. patronizing, condescending, arrogant super jock, as, uh, <gasps> as the book puts it. But yes. I would have put it in much harsher terms. <laughs> <the baby girl. laughs> Especially as he says, both Claire and Jean are great girls and I'm sure going to miss having the two of them fighting over me. Oh, and Jean is like, oh my God, how could I have fallen for this dick? How could I have not even admitted it to Claire? And she thinks she had single-handedly set the women's movement back 80 oh. years. Oh, Jean. Oh, Jean. No. <laughs> and then Scott announced grandly, my date for tomorrow night's dance is Jean West. Oh God! But people don't hear him, and why? Oh God! Because Jean had suddenly started shouting, "I wouldn't go out with you if you were the last boy on earth!" She screamed, her face red with fury. Oh. Uh, she can see the shock and surprise on his face, and it made her it made her even angrier. And she says, "And if you were the last boy on earth, you better believe I'd demand a recount." <gasps> so, uh, from a table beside her, she grabs what she hoped was a full <laughs> container of milk and threw it in Scott's direction before she ran from the room. In a flood of tears, of course. Oh, of course. She runs away crying. And uh, and she does throw something. So we do get a drink throw. That was and something at least. It doesn't actually say if it hit him. So I can only presume because I wanted to that, uh, that it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, uh, even Winston is silent. Everyone's so stunned. But Scott recovers his composure and he's sort of grinning like a dickhead. And it's like, mm. I guess some people are cut out for real competition. You know what they say. If you can't stand the heat. And he tells Claire that uh, I guess you're the lucky winner after all but she says don't do me any favours she smiled at him completely in control I just want you to know that everything Jean said goes double for me and Danny puts his arm around her says both girls are too good for Scott who lashes out at Danny well not physically just like oh, you probably put them up to it every all this behaviour here is not somebody who's learned any lesson whatsoever it's somebody who's just an out and out prick Absolutely, yeah. Like, and Claire has managed to scrape a bit of dignity, at least. I mean, not much. But not much. I guess going away with Danny sort of shows is, she's really not interested. Thing. Well, that's it. Yeah, and the fact that Danny was right there and that she could yeah. walk away with him, uh, like that's something at least for her. But like, Jesus, what a fucking mess. Oh. <sighs> so, um. Yeah, Scott is left alone and humiliated, allegedly. And um, Liz runs after Claire and Danny and asks, like, what was going on? Like, I thought, did you not talk to Jean? And um, Liz tells her the truth about Jean's feelings for Scott. Oh. And uh, yeah, it turns out that Jean basically vanished from school that day. Uh, Jessica tells Liz later and Liz is worried about, you know, is she okay? But of course, Jessica doesn't give a shit. Not at all. No, she's busy uh, putting curlers in her hair. So she's like, nope, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't care about this. And then she, in a massive moment of hypocrisy, says, anyway, it doesn't pay to meddle in other people's lives. <laughs> she's the nerve to say it sagely as well as if yes. this is anything she has ever taken on board. <laughs> but again, she is very entertaining in this book. It's true. Yeah. We'll give so her the, a pass. <laughs> The next day, uh, Jessica is being dropped off the library by Liz and asks Liz if she and Todd are going to the big dance. And Liz admits that they haven't really, you know, talked properly since their sort of squabble. But he hopes that she saw her reply that appeared in the Oracle. And Jess, like, initially seems to be, you know, looking for some sisterly bonding time instead. Oh, yeah. Um, 
that's it. She's like, um, uh, she wants to know if she's doing something tonight or because it's the night of the dance. Uh, she's like, are you doing something since I don't have a date? Um, so she's like, oh, yeah, I, sh- I should have known it. Uh, it wasn't because you wanted my company. But uh, Jessica's like, oh, it's just I don't know what people who don't go out on a Saturday do do on Saturday nights are there special shows on television for them something like that <laughs> like what happens what how do you do this <laughs> and Liz mischievously says oh, I'm sure there are sing-alongs and things like that <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> well Jessica heads to the library to work on her project and Jean uh, or Liz goes to meet Claire at Jean's house and um, because they they expect Jean to be like a basically a miserable, gaunt waif wreck. But they have yeah. a surprise in store. Yeah, Jean answers the door and looks absolutely fine. She's bright eyed and smiling, who apparently looks as she looks as healthy and well fed as she always did. Uh, and instead of sobbing, she just says, it's no use. I don't even want to hear his name. Uh, oh. So she's like, oh, whose name? And Jean's like, you know who's his. Uh, so they, <laughs> they come in and... Um, She's like, you know, I'm absolutely fine. I don't want you to think I'm going to change my mind. And Liz is like, oh, I guess we didn't have to worry about her pining away or anything. Because uh, Jean assumes that they're there to try and change her mind about Scott. Uh, Claire's like, absolutely not. That's the, I'm the last person that would try to do that. <laughs> um, so, so they explain that they just wanted to talk to her because she wasn't answering the phone and yeah. they were just worried about her. Yeah. But uh, Jean reassures them that she's absolutely fine and she just plans to move on with her life and she's absolutely grand and they don't need to worry about her. But as soon as she, as they leave, the facade drops and she literally takes a big thing of tissues out from underneath the pillows, the couch. <sighs> I was so disappointed with this. I actually thought maybe she was fine, but obviously mm. she's not. She is a wreck and just oh. managed to put on a good show for when they called over. Yeah, she can't even eat because all her dates inv- with Scott involved eating. <laughs> and now she thinks she can never touch pizza again, especially not with mushrooms. No. <laughs> so uh, that does win quite true. When, yeah, know, especially when you're that age, you're like, oh, I guess, Every yeah. Food <laughs> reminds me of you. He owns pizza now. <laughs> <laughs> so she wonders how could the sweet, sensitive, funny boy she had fallen in love with share a body with the arrogant creep she loathed? Was it a case of quarterback trust and Mr. Hyde? No, he's just a prick. Yeah. <laughs> so the doorbell rings and she thinks it's uh, Claire because Claire left her she realises Claire left her bag behind but who could it be? Oh it's fucking Scott (laughs) and uh, she's trying hard not to look at him but when she sees the sort of sad dark circles under his eyes she thinks oh no it's happening again Oh god damn it yeah so she's just like no don't don't fall for his lies again Um, but he yeah he says look I know I've behaved like the biggest creep the world has ever seen there's no way of making up uh, to you for that but he's like just please let me explain and she's kind of got this interior monologue the whole time going just saying I know his type give him five minutes and he'll be here for the next three hours (laughs) but she does end up letting him in and uh, she's now got conflicting voices going on in her head where one of them's like he's really different now this is the boy I love <laughs> so it's, it's quite noisy in that head of hers right now it really is just a lot yeah. of thinking a lot going on so she lets him in and uh, yeah she says look, she's not in the mood for any more lies but he's like I'm not lying I, I don't know it's as if I'm two people there's the outside me the big mouth jock and then there's the inside me the person I'd really like to be the inside me is the person I was when you and I were alone Jean you're the first girl I've ever felt comfortable with and she's like uh, well then why don't aren't you just that inside 
you and stop acting like such a creep. Mm-hmm. And he seems genuinely bewildered. Oh my God, this is such bullshit. He's like, oh, I don't know. Sometimes I think it's because I think the guys expect me to act a certain way. But like, that doesn't track because the guys, some of the guys think he's a dick. Yes. So like, it's not that. So, uh, and then he's like, and sometimes I think it's because girls expect me to. And quite rightly, Jean's like, oh, come on, Jean. Yeah. <laughs> Jean said sharply, give me a break. He's like, not you, Jean, and not Claire, but other girls, really. They think if you don't act like a big man, you must be weak. Like, fuck off, Scott. Oh. It is not because of other girls that you're a massive piece of shit. Like, just own your terrible behavior, you absolute dick. He does say this is kind of a good critique of toxic masculinity. Says whenever I start to relax and act like my real self, I don't know what it is. I seem to panic. I start imagining everybody's going to think I'm soft or something. So uh, Mm. she says she fell in love with a sweet, kind Scott. And he says he fell in love with her. And uh, she has to put her hands on his chest to stop her self melting into his arms. Like, gee, this is not enough redemption for you to melt into his arms. No, like it's also because it feels like I think he's kind of walking forward as all this is happening and she's eventually backed up against a wall. And it's like, "Mm, no, I hate this. I don't like any of this at all. Well, um, yeah, she's uh, she's into it um, and says (laughs) this is her only criteria. Um, She says, if I do forgive you, Scott, you have to understand that you're on probation. If you do one tiny little thing that's arrogant to me and it's over between us and I really will never speak to you again. And he's like, I wouldn't have it any other way. But the and that's and they kiss. Uh, we're told, and then because there was nothing more to say, she kissed him, and that is it for Gene and Scott. But I the only way it. they could have <laughs> redeemed him was if he had actually he had to. The, the, the only way he could have done it was to make him do something publicly, as opposed to yeah. every single time in public he was a dick. So this is, this is not needs, enough. He needs to redeem himself, like on all levels and in public and in front of everybody, and to drop this whole fucking prick act yeah. that he has going on in school. Which also, I don't even think is an act. I think he just is an asshole, and I yeah. hate this. And I was so mad at Jean at this stage. I was like, "Yeah, I'm putting you in the bin, Jean. I'm sorry, but that's what's <laughs> happening now. <laughs> you can both go in the bin. You know what he's like, and you know better, and you're going yeah. for it anyway." Well, that's it for them. Mm. So, meanwhile, Liz is doing some errands when Todd appears because he did read her reply to his letter and after some awkward aardvark-centric banter, Jesus, they kiss and make up. So they're going to the dance. And uh, later, Jessica arrives home, all sparkling, (laughs) and reveals to Alice that she has a date for the dance too. Well, it turns out she's managed to bagsy Steve Anderson after all, apparently. Yes. Yeah, Somehow. she was. He was at the library, and she just happened to drop all her, her books at his feet. <laughs> yeah, so that whole him running off to some other girl was a load of nothing, apparently. So yeah. it would have served Jessica right to have to actually go to a dance on her own for once in her life. But God. so that was never going to happen, was it? No, I don't think she was ever like it. Would have been home alone or with a date. There's no That's way she's true. gonna. She yeah. does not have the the nerve to go. <laughs> On the road, which is kind of tragic, Jessica. Just saying. It really is. Just come on, Jessica. <laughs> well, we cut to Sweet Valley High where we're told it was the perfect evening for the perfect dance. It's, yeah, they've they've gone all out. The dance committee are back on form. And, oh, uh, they are. <laughs> the gym has been decorated head to toe. It's a riot of paper flowers, paper hearts and silver balloons. Uh, outside, candles flickered in the dark and uh, inside a pale stream of moonlight washed through the windows. <laughs> so at least the candles are outside and all the paper yes. decorations are inside. Sure. That is something. <laughs> it is a relief. 
So all the couples mentioned in the book are dancing together and Jessica is delighted. She thinks dreams really can come true. (laughs) And then... Oh, Jesus. I mean, normally they'd sprinkle these people in throughout, even in the background, for something to kind of, you know, pull us through to the next book. But no, jump cut to two fuckers I don't give a shit about. (laughs) It is quite the info dump of people who have literally... Never, no one in this section has been mentioned ever, ever before. Ever? Who are these people? Like, it's so abrupt. I don't get it. And it's quite intense. It's literally just shitloads of info uh, in a couple of paragraphs. Can you tell us who these people are? Okay, so Sarah Eastbourne uh, is dancing in the arms of her boyfriend, Bob Hillman. Apparently Sarah has been at uh, Sweet Valley High only since the beginning of the school year. So she's only been here for like eight years like everybody else. Um, But uh, apparently she's already very well liked. She has a best friend called Amanda Hayes. Who the fuck? What? Uh, Like what? Uh, Her and Bob are dancing. He's like, ooh, happy. She's like, hmm. Uh, She is happy, apparently. Happier than she'd ever been now that her and her mother are safely settled in Sweet Valley, far away from all the troubles that have caused her family to fall apart uh, oh she shivers God. thinking of these terrible times um, Bob is like are you cold she's like no I'm fine apparently no matter what she would not let the past interfere with the present not now that she had what she'd worked so hard to have a stable life uh, apparently only one person can disturb her newfound happiness this person is far away and also her twin brother Tim uh, oh my so God. as far as anyone at SVH knows Tim has stayed on the east coast with their father when the Eastbournes had divorced that's all anyone had to know. Uh, she pulls away from Bob. You're great. You know that. Bob smiles, wraps her in a strong, protective embrace. Who fucking cares? Well, oh, well, my God. I mean, as far as anyone in Sweet Valley knew, Tim is on the East Coast. No one in Sweet Valley knows who the fuck you are. Exactly. Oh, my God. What you, are you talking about? You've supposedly been here all year. Like, we did, they could have brought in so many ra- named randomers. Absolutely. Like, there Kathy. Was... Kathy. Oh, my God. <laughs> literally someone we actually give a shit about but it's just it's unusual for them to just dump these people on us because normally very rare and lately they've been quite good at really threading stuff in even like two or three books ahead of time kind of setting seeds but like there's just been absolutely none of that it's like they were suddenly like oh shit we've got this one coming up and yeah we haven't done anything quick tack on a paragraph there at the end of the next one like just Oh, who cares? Oh my god! It, it was like um, Jamie Peters. Like they they put in several books in advance. Mm, yes, this, they built him up a bit. Yeah, we get characters that we have literally never heard of mm. any of them yeah. um, in a second. Like it, it, we've never it, they, they, we've never heard of them, and they're just suddenly in the space of a moment, just presented to us. This is it, and there's so many of them too. There's Bob. There's Sarah. There's Tim. There's like. Mr. Amanda Hayes, Amanda, the best friend. Like that's like five people in a paragraph that none of us have ever heard of before. It's outrageous, really outrageous. Like yeah. I mean, Emily Meyer could have been the best friend. Like True. they could have put anybody in there. Just tie in somebody that we know at least or have heard of. Well, on that very angry note. <laughs> Can you read us out, please? Oh, God, if I have to. Uh, <laughs> Can Sarah's hard-won happiness last? Who gives a shit? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 79, The Long Lost Brother. Uh, <laughs> what a note to end on. <laughs> I have to say, I don't think I've read this. I don't know this at all. Like, really, those names don't mean anything to me. 
Yeah. Like, I, I've been, I don't even know who the long lost brother, like, I don't have any memories of who this long lost brother could, you know, what's his deal? Um, yeah. What does he do? This is all <laughs> new territory for us. Very much so, yes. And I don't remember <laughs> any references to it later on. No. Hmm. 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 <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure we're all on the edge of our seats to find out. <laughs> I mean, I actually am kind of interested because it is so rare when there's one that I have absolutely no knowledge of. This is the thing. Just no recollection. Like, do you know, it's funny. Like, I could be reading one that I don't remember at all. And then there'll be one line and I'll be like, oh, I did read this. Because <laughs> like one tiny yeah, detail yeah. stood out to me when I was 12 or whatever. But I there's just, I'm getting nothing from this long lost brother book. Oh, absolutely say. nothing. Well... <laughs> On a more concrete note, do mm. we have any stats and outfits? Oh, yes, we do. Okay, oh, so oh. The, <laughs> the Wakefield Blonde list got four mentions, which, you know, that's pretty steady, I feel like, lately. Um, the Blue Green Eyes got five, which is more than usual. Uh, the Blushing, we got ten mentions, which mm. is... Oh, pretty, I did notice good. actually a lot of, uh, of um, blushing that's the thing there was also a lot of people's faces turning red in fury which i didn't count because obviously that's not blushing oh. that's just being really angry so there was probably there was a lot of faces being red basically in this one. yes um and then fantastically claire shakes her fist in the air twice uh which is sensational <laughs> and you know, it might Why make up for her, it kind of makes up for her being so cold about that dog merely almost <laughs> <laughs> i'm convincing myself here um okay for outfits well, okay. We already had some silk blouses on the go there when uh, Claire and Jean were looking for something to wear to their dates before they realised they're both being fucking played. But there was yellow blouses, there was green blouses, it was a rainbow of silk shirts, basically. Um, then on the date, Scott, when he was meeting Jean, uh, yes, he was wearing a lightweight white suit with a pale blue shirt and a dark blue tie and there is no way in hell that those sleeves are not rolled up like i mean holy shit it is full miami vice good god rocking the tubs are alive and well and living oh sweet nally that's where it's happening and then we got two fantastic Jessica outfits when she was on her Hawaii buzz and just started dressing like, as you say, the lilt man or totally tropical. She was fully on theme. So she, yes, burst into the kitchen in a blaze of tropical colours. She was wearing a wildly patterned skirt in greens and blues and purples, Ooh. a pink top, and several <laughs> bright scarves. Like oh, Several! Steve several. Tyler, watch out! <laughs> several scarves she went for it in a big way uh and then she had another tropical outfit where yes elizabeth looked up at her sister jessica's eyes were sparkling and her cheeks were as bright as tropical flower earrings that dangled from her ears to match the earrings she was wearing a hot pink sundress elizabeth smiled (gasps) ever since jessica decided her dream man was waiting for her in hawaii she'd been dressing in anything she owned that was at all tropical we're lucky she doesn't own a grass skirt elizabeth thought (laughs) God. <laughs> so yeah, she went hard for the tropical theme. She certainly did. Well, listeners, let us know what you thought of the dating game. There was a lot to consider in this. Uh, we love hearing from you. You can find us on Twitter at SVH Podcast. 
You can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on Instagram at svhpodcast. Uh, we have loved hearing from you about your Pi Beta Alpha goodies. Your, um, we have been se- you've been sending us photos of lots of you in your hot clam special dairy burger tote bags. And of course, <laughs> your Pi Beta Alpha jackets. It has been an absolute delight. Truly, so. like, yeah, anytime we get a message and it's like, you've been tagged in a photo or like mentioned in a story, it's like, oh my God, what is it this time? This is great. No. <laughs> so it's very um, exciting. There was a lot of love for for the uh, Todd fanfic last week from Tara Rose, Todd versus Bernie Sanders. So, oh my uh, God, and rightly so. <laughs> yes. Um, so that was, uh, we, we hope that uh, Tara Rose, you, you know that you've got a lot of fans out there. And uh, yeah, we also, of course, have uh, been hearing from our member. We're a lot of people finding the uh, OTG elements of this episode where <laughs> we're a fave because, you know, when we get somebody who's actually like an OTG, we, we sometimes insert it, you know, quite randomly, like with Claire today. So. <laughs> Well, she's going to go shaking her fist in the air. I mean, what are we supposed to do? Like not make her an OTG? Come on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, listeners, we will see the Pi Beta Alpha members in the clubhouse next week. And of course, if you want to join us there, you can become a member of Headstuff Plus. Yeah, for as little as five euros a month, you can join over at headstuffpodcast.com where you can support the show and all this ridiculous stuff that we do here. (laughs) Um, And it will give you access to our bonus series, which is our Pi Beta Alpha series where we recap the TV show uh, and have great crack with it. And it'll also get you discounts on our lovely merch, which is available at uh, shop.headstuff.org. Yes. So you know where to go, um, listeners, if you want a Pi Beta Alpha um, the clubhouse membership in your and some sweet family madness in your ears every single week. It is headstuffpodcasts.com and you can join anywhere in the world for as little as five euro a month. And if it's any uh, enticement, we can tell you <laughs> that the next episode of Pi Beta Alpha <laughs> is about an episode of the TV show called Dancing Fools. Dancing. An apostrophe. An apostrophe. It's that's how it's spelled, and that's not just another Wikipedia slip up. That is for real. No, because our bonus series, of course, we recap the Sweet Valley TV series, and we have a lot of fun. We have some crushes on uh, <laughs> some surprising cast members, and uh, we always love hearing from our Pi Beta Alpha sisters. So you can join them and us in the Pi Beta Clubhouse next Thursday, where we find out what happens when the Lila and. <laughs> Jessica become dancing fools. Oh my god. <laughs> but we will see you all <laughs> back here in two weeks. <sighs> because we just have to see it through now at this stage. I mean, I, this far. Can't go, can't go skipping books, you know? <laughs> oh, I mean, I guess. <laughs> Do we though? I know. How committed are we to this bit? Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, uh Okay, I guess we'll see you here in two weeks when Sarah, somebody, or Ace Bird, whatever. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Is confronted by the long lost brother. Sure, why not? (laughs) See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.